Hi everyone, this is Raven and Campbell from Musicals, and we'd Hello. like to talk to you today about a nonprofit music education group that we are partnering with. Yep, we'd like to talk to you about Education Through Music. They partner with under-resourced schools to provide music as a core subject for all children. And they utilize music education as a catalyst to improve academic achievement, motivation for school, and self-confidence. Exactly. So they work with 52 different partner schools throughout New York City, um, and they work with them to institute sustainable music education programs by hiring qualified teachers, matching them with the school, and really equipping the teachers with the tools to succeed and be able to provide quality music education to all of the students attending that institution. So we think, you know, from this podcast, we think it's incredibly important to provide music education to all children, um, that everyone should have access to it to help, you know, really instill those lifelong passions that have been so influential for Campbell and I. So we believe that supporting this organization is the way you can support our podcast. Yep. And you can do so by going to p2p.onecause.com slash boozicals. Again, that's letter P, number two, letter P dot one cause dot com slash boost and yeah you can really uh help these kids if that's what you're into support the youths okay. shut up that's don't <laughs> don't don't patronize me really. okay uh, i don't need you enjoy the episode i'm done with this <laughs> What's up? I missed you. I missed you too. Uh, it's been a while since we've recorded. Indeed. First recording session of 2022. Crazy. I don't like it. Do not care for it. Nope. No. I want to go back. Well, you go I don't back? know if I want to go back, lads. <laughs> That's extreme. No. New year, new me. <laughs> So what music have you been listening to? I'm just going to move on. So I've been listening to um, a lot of African music lately. Ooh, nice. Um, yeah, just like African pop um, and, and stuff like that. Like, I just think it's, I don't know, it's really cool. Like, I got into Soka a while back, which was like Soul of Calypso, which is popular mm-hmm. in like Caribbean dance hall, basically Caribbean dance hall music. Um, but... I don't know. I think it's really cool to see the influence of other black music on like African American music and like our hip hop and like our pop and stuff and R and B. So yeah, so I started listening to a couple of African artists. So um, Ladipo, Buju, um, Burna Boy, like all of them. Like I don't know. I just I really like um, just a lot of their art. But yeah. What about you? I've been listening to so much Dochi. It's not even funny. <laughs> and that's Dochi with two eyes. I just can't stop. Um, yeah, that's some pretty solid music we've been listening to. Go us. I like that. I like that for us. Love that for us. Okay. Well, I guess I picked the musical for this week. So uh, I don't know why we this episode. Um, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Raven, what musical <laughs> did you choose for us this week? <laughs> We haven't Thanks. had any alcohol yet, listeners. At least yeah, I haven't. This is just us getting used to recording we're, again. We're just we're just raw dogging it. Here. <laughs> uh, so this episode, we're going to be talking about the Greatest Showman, which is the 2017 musical film starring Hugh Jackman. 
Jackie. Zac Efron, Keila Settle, Zendaya. Is it Zendaya or Zendaya? I've I never Zendaya. known. Zendaya. Okay. Um, I could be wrong. Usually. And Michelle Williams. Um, so this movie, I have a lot of mixed feelings about, and yeah, I same. channeled that into my creation of the cocktail. So I'm going to describe the cocktail. Uh, I have not decided on a name for it yet. So Campbell together. is going to be helping with that. Um, but so the cocktail is a layered drink. Um, it has a blue and a red layer. Um, the blue layer is the top layer. So it's blue curacao and vodka equal parts. The red layer is grenadine, campari, and strawberry liqueur. Um, and then there's also a half ounce of honey simple syrup uh, that is added. And when I made my honey simple syrup, I also used brown sugar instead of regular granulated sugar. Uh, just I like Oh, the you flavor. added sugar? I just used the sugar that was already in the honey. Oh, no, I still used a little bit. Of, I used like a quarter cup um, gotcha. of That of sounds brown sugar so and good, and I'm mad I didn't do that. <laughs> you should be. Um, Although I haven't even tasted this yet. But yeah, I've just been so, smelling it. So, uh, yeah, this drink is a combination of sweet and bitter, intentionally so, uh, because I, we're going to talk about it, but I don't, I know how I feel about this movie, but I have a lot of You don't like both, it. Just say it. Okay, but I have a lot of very positive feelings about it and very yeah. negative feelings about it, and it really bothers me that I can, like, that they both coexist in the same movie. Because there's so many things that they did amazingly right and so many things that they did wrong. And it just makes me so sad. So wrong. So um, wrong. Anyway. So let's, uh, let's take a sip of our drink and mm-hmm. then we'll, we'll figure out a name. Cheers. Cheers. I gotta be honest, Raven. I don't know how I feel about this drink. <laughs> Just like, I don't know how I feel about this movie. It's not bad. It's not my favorite. <laughs> is this is this your way of covering up you half-assed the drink this week? No, like, okay, I wanted, okay, so I was going to try to do something, like, fancy, but that was, like, this drink, or this movie doesn't deserve that. But then... <laughs> I feel bad. It does not deserve Dream Girl's effort that you put in. No, although it does have the same color, just not without, just without the sparkle. Uh, without the glitter um i wanted there to be bitterness because i feel bitterness here's a sweet drink with a weird aftertaste with a bitter aftertaste is what you have presented me (laughs) so i don't i don't know how i feel about this we'll see after my like fourth one but hmm. it's a very specific taste that i can't put my finger on uh, like a melted snow cone. I see that. I see that. Okay, so there's four names I talked about with my boyfriend. One of them, I don't know, it's kind of worried, but I think it actually starting to fit this drink more. But I'll start from the top. Uh, we can do a Clown Car. I like that. We can do The Juggler. Interesting. We can do... Oh, he just texted me another one. Boop, 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 boop. The high dive. I think like. And I have one more. Oh, what's the last one? Uh, 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 balancing act. 
that I feel like is more in the vein of. I think so too. Do I? Is it the best name? It's like kind of like a mouthful. Balancing act. True. True. I also. But I think it fits really well. I like. I like the balancing act. The balancing act. I feel like we're in a weird mood. I feel like we are in a weird mood, and I feel like it's because you didn't like my drink. <laughs> Um, I feel like you don't like your drink. You say your drink's like... fine. No, I actually like the taste of it. Why is it so? I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting. And maybe I was expecting more strawberry. Do you want more strawberry? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I want, Raven. I don't know what you want either. I want to I wanna talk about a different musical. <laughs> Well, we have to talk about this one. So, Greatest Showman. Um, All right. Do you got some history for us? uh, A little bit, yes. So the movie itself was released in 2017. Um, It's based on, loosely based on, like, the concept of P.T. Barnum as a person and um, the circuses that he built. So um, Barnum's American Museum. Yeah, Barnum's American Museum and uh, Barnum and Bailey's... Barnum and Bailey, the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Um, Which, fun fact, the first year I was in county band while playing the bassoon, um, it was held at my high school, and just briefly how like county and district band worked in uh, Virginia, especially District 1 was the district I was in, um, in the central like Kenrico Richmond area. Um, you like try out for district band, and you have a prepared piece, They'll tell you to pay, play two random scales in your chromatic scale to, like, a blind judges. They score you, and then you get ranked. There's two bands for district band for high schools. There's, like, the upper band and the lower band. Um, I It was, like, I have been playing bassoon for maybe a month or two. Um, and I got in because there weren't a lot of bassoons mm-hmm. uh, in the district. I think there was only, like, six or seven of us. Um, and then the best... And uh, from the county, from those people that audition, do county band. And how the actual process works is that you show up one afternoon to whatever hosting school. There's a guest uh, conductor. You get a, you have a full band. You get a folder full of maybe like eight songs. You sight-read everything. Uh, the conductor picks which he wants to do a concert. You play all the next day, like school day. And then that Saturday... So Thursday night, all of Friday, Saturday, you put on a concert. And it was the most fun thing. My most fun experiences in high school were district and county band. And my first county band, the march we do, because you usually do one march, Mm -hmm. was Barnum and Bailey Circus. Oh, that's cool. And it was really fun and really fast. You know a good cut time march, how it goes? Especially the good trio Uh, section. Orchestras don't play marches very often. Well, John Philip Sousa was a violinist, so I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, um, yeah, I remember doing like district and all city, all city orchestra. Um, Circus. Yeah, so P.T. Barnum, he lived um, in the 1800s, like 1810 to 1891. He did a lot of different, uh, he had a lot of different like types of businesses and like actually worked a lot in politics as well. But he always worked to himself as a showman and that's like, what he considered to be like his major business or whatever. But yeah, so he effectively, he became a small business owner like in his like earlier uh, like 20s. Um, 
and he moved to New York City and basically that was when he started like working in entertainment and started like his original like variety troupe which was Barnum's like grand scientific and musical theater um, and so he like purchased this museum which he ended up renaming after himself um, and that's where he would um, like show all of his like different acts and uh, a lot of which were hoaxes or at the very least were embellished and stuff like that and like as they refer to them, quote unquote, human curiosities, um, which is basically just a dog whistle for people being exploited. Um, Don't say that about characters like Dog Boy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about Dog Boy. <laughs> yeah, but he was also uh, really big into politics. So he actually served as the mayor of Bridgeport, Connecticut, as well as a member of the Connecticut House of Representatives. Um, he was apparently uh, significantly in favor of the 13th Amendment and abolishing slavery, although he did own slaves previously. Um, and one of his uh, earlier acts was actually a slave woman. Um, and here's the thing that's weird about that, because they said... Besides everything? <laughs> there is, I forgot where I was reading it, but there is something that was reading like, oh, slavery was already outlawed in New York. Um, so technically she couldn't be a slave, which is like, okay, cool. Then she can just be a free person who is in your employ. But, but no, because uh, he instead used a loophole that allowed him to like lease her for a year for a thousand dollars. And it's just That's like- That's a lot but, of money. In the 1800s, right? And it's just like, but, but you're <laughs> in favor of abolishing slavery and slavery is already outlawed in the state where you're doing business. So why does she need to be a slave at yeah, all? Yeah, that's like if someone said like today, <laughs> um, I don't believe we should have slaves. <laughs> and then lease a grown person out. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, it like it just happened after the fact. So you're like late to yeah. the party. Uh, yeah. Um, that's um but yeah so so a lot of the stuff that they showed in the movie was based on a lot of his um actual acts yeah so one of his famous ones was um tom thumb or general tom thumb um who was a, a little person i guess is the i don't know the term that they would prefer to be referred to by um you know what raven let us take the time put in the energy and look it up Good idea, Campbell. Uh, appropriate terms include little person, person of short stature, dwarf, or LP. Okay. Though it is most respectful to refer to someone just by name. I like this source. <laughs> um, Respectability.org. Um, they yeah, can't so lead it me astray. An... And then they just have the F slur next. Um, but yeah, so it was an individual named Charles Stratton. Um, and actually at the time that P.T. Barnum started employing him, um, he was four years old, but he stated that he was 11. Um, and he basically coached him on how to imitate, um, like famous people from like Hercules to Napoleon, like all these like famous figures throughout history. Um, and he was apparently like drinking wine and like smoking cigars by like age seven. It's like that bit from Scrubs. <laughs> for, like, the... the public's amusement, specifically. Because it's like, oh, oh here's this, like, yeah. Um, I mean, what's funnier than a drunk child? Obviously. Um, or when a child cusses. It's so funny. Son of a bitch. There's only one, one uh, thing worse than a rapist. A child. A child. No. 
Um, but that's kind of like that one scene in Scrubs when the janitor is working in the in the coffee shop because they have better benefits, like you know. Yeah. Or you know, collective bargaining organizing against Bob Kelso, and then he was like a drink. He was like smokeachino, smokeachino for Kyle, and he puts like a cigarette in like a coffee and gives it to this child Kyle. <laughs> And then he takes it and he turns to uh, Dr. Kelso and is like, that's as big as he's going to get. And Bob <laughs> Kelso's face that. is like how Elliot's face is constantly. Just like. What? <laughs> yeah, so that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, wild. Yeah. Um, hmm. mm-hmm. Fun fact, though. Uh, a lot of the costumes that were used in this musical were direct, like came from Barnum Circus and like. Oh, that's really cool. Them, that group. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, P.T. Barnum. Greatest uh, showman. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't like the his like character um, in the movie. Because I was like, he's not great. But yeah, I guess, I guess we can go ahead and get into it. Um, because I just... Let's, let's talk about this. Yeah, let's talk about it. So we start off, um, we start off in a song, um, The Greatest Show. Um, Here's my problem. <laughs> right go off, off the bat. The background music is too loud. I want to hear Hugh Jackman singing. Fair. And I think I it's feel because like it's like very they're going muted. for this, they're going for this effect of like the, the big brassy like intro to like grab your attention. Like that's great, but you are drowning out the vocals as well. I feel like their effect is let's make a musical of pop songs. Okay, and this is my issue with this musical. It's like the I was soundtrack. Like, oh. I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. However, the movie feels like hey, we have these nine music videos. How can we connect this into some semblance of a story that we can tell Shout out in to, film? From Justin and Kelly. <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't feel like these form a cohesive story. And I remember I first listened to the soundtrack before I ever watched the movie. And a lot of the songs in the Same. soundtrack I thought had a completely different meaning. Which is like it's going to happen like when you don't actually know the story that's being told. But like there were songs that I thought had a completely opposite even context to what was going on in the movie, like in terms of character relationships and stuff like that, because it feels like the songs existed and then they were like, cool, let's put these in a movie. <laughs> Which is funny you say that because uh, listeners, this is my first time watching this movie. However, when it got to certain songs, I was like, oh, I've heard this song before, like on the radio. I did not know this was a musical song. Rewrite it, the like, stars feels, plays yes. in shopping stores. Like, it feels like this musical is the audience, the intended audience is people that don't like musicals, which is fine. Yes. I'm not that audience. I love musicals. I was expecting some marches, some like really campy circus music. I was expecting the opera singer to sing an opera song uncanny right and i was disappointed when it didn't happen even though the singer i mean freaking went on tour with andrea bocelli Mm -hmm. she's an incredibly talented singer which is why they got her to to do that part um but yeah so greatest show (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> um, here's my thing. Opening credits. I, silent film kind of style. Dig that. Great. I love, love I do really like the rhythm of the song. Like, I think like the staccato beats, especially in time with like the hook it's a beats very, of the It's horses. a very accented song, which makes sense for what the song's about. Yeah, and it gives it a sort of like driving rhythm that I think... Again, like all of these songs feel like pop songs, so it makes it very easy to like. This is the type of song that you like bump, not bump, but like. <laughs> this is the type of song that you like blast, I guess, in your car. You can just like scream, sing with your friends. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I like that in a sense. It definitely gives it like the vibe. Again, like the, the greatest show, like the big spectacle and stuff that it's going for. Um, I just like... really feel like the soundtrack carries the movie. Oh yeah, for sure. And that and bothers the, me. Uh yeah. Um and the my first thoughts of this song, I was like, wait a second, is this the opening act? Everyone's here. <laughs> like what do you like you need to build to something? I was very confused. And it was just like Oh no, the the like when you use CGI. Are you asking me? I no no. When oh. you use CGI, I feel like you either go all the way, or like very little. They're in this weird in between. <laughs> that I was just like, okay, With, there's like, a the person animals? who is now Gumby, who is now <laughs> not Gumby. <laughs> See, okay. And I, so no, I I'm think... fine with the CGI animals though, because yeah. um, fun fact, animals shouldn't be in circuses. Yeah, but okay. But Don't here's, ride elephants. This actually, okay, so two points that you made. Uh, one, so the way it looks, I, I I agree in a sense with like the CGI of like the, some of the characters at times. Um, but I also like the fact that they kind of stylize, like it's very stylized, I feel like. Yes. Like it every has scene, it's, yeah. Which I think is good in a sense that like, especially with live action movies, it's a little harder to transition between sing like regular normal talking acting and then suddenly singing unless it's a film like Sweeney Todd where people are basically always singing um so no I like the fact that, that the scenes are all stylized I think it makes that that way it merges that reality and fantasy a little better um but he, my thing with the with the CGI animals it's like on the one hand I'm I'm obviously really glad that they didn't use real animals for this. Um, but also I think that gets at like what my issue with this movie is, is that it talks a lot of the talk of like accepting everyone and being kind and like all this other stuff and like, oh, like go to the place where like, you can find your family and like be accepted for who you are and blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't actually, and not saying that every single film has to do this, but it doesn't actually address any of the actual issues that those people or that situation faced or caused. Like, yeah, we're using CGI animals in this film because the actual treatment of animals during this time and, and in industries like this was incredibly cruel and inhumane. But like, we're not gonna talk about that at all. We're just gonna pretend it doesn't exist. And I, I feel like that's a lot of this movie where like they brush, they come right up to talking about an actual social issue and then just spray paint over it and walk away. Yeah, and then they just get drunk at a bar. 
Yeah, but like, don't actually resolve any of the interpersonal conflict that would exist. Up oh, the the bad people got arrested. Everything's solved because they <laughs> were the only people now. that allowed this to happen. And it, I think it feels really weird, especially because this is a relatively modern-ish movie. It came out in 2017, so it's still been a few years since then. Um, but it's definitely more on the modern side. Yes. Um, and it just, it has such a fan, like it does have an incredibly diverse cast. And like they do, there is a lot of really good messaging in the movie, but the actual story doesn't earn any of that. Like just all such... of the emotional moments, all of the like character lessons you're supposed it, to get out of the superficial. music don't come across through the story. Like the story just one, superficial. Hugh, Hugh Jackman is fantastically talented. I'm so glad that he got the starring role. But this is still just a story about a random white dude. Like, it just... Or, or, like, it's, it's your typical... Who, like, like, honestly just sucks. Who honestly kind of sucked. Like, it was... And that, there's no it's consequences. A rags, it's, like, your standard I mean, rags to of. riches, like, bootstrap story. But, like... And it, it doesn't actually dive into any sort of depth but like the music does like the music is incredibly emotional and moving and like tells so much of the characters that are singing it but the story doesn't and that i don't know just really bothers me especially because like music itself is such a huge capacity to tell a story and it just really feels like there wasn't a lot of attempts to bridge I could, things i could have this movie would not have changed if the songs were taken out of it and it, that's a problem with a musical. That is a problem with a musical. <laughs> and and the fact that you can that I literally prefer listening to the soundtrack by itself to watching the movie. It's just uh anyway. Um Um I need another drink. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Um, okay. So we see that um, that was basically a fantasy in his head. Like, that was a daydream. Um, mm-hmm. So we get to young Phineas, who's with his father. Um, and he was seeing, like, that suit, the iconic P.T. Barnum suit, I guess, whatever, um, yeah. through a window. Um, and we find out that they're working for this family. I think they're called, like, the Hallets. Uh the yeah something like that with uh ellis rubin played by uh, young barnum played by ellis rubin um but his singing voice is ziv zafman mm-hmm. and then mr barnum philo barnum played by will swenson uh who's also been in a million things like chilling adventures of sabrina uh he directed acted and produced in sons of provo but in the 24 version 2014 version of Les Mis he played Jabber oh interesting yeah yeah um so we see that basically they're like extremely poor um they're his father's a tailor so he's working for this wealthy family um which is how Phineas gets introduced to Charity um who like was his actual wife um um yes young Charity played by Skylar Dunn um, Does she have the same singing voice? Yes. Okay. I really like her singing voice. I do too. Yeah. I think something oh, I really we get into appreciate. The song a million dreams. Yeah, the children in this do a very good job. <laughs> I agree, and I, it gives me a real um, during a million dreams, uh, which is basically like it starts off as Phineas singing. I about... like the piano. 
It's nice. Oh, agreed. I think the piano has a lot of like the best like themes, I guess, and like um, melodies throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, so a million dreams. So this is basically Phineas singing about um, the world he wants to create for himself. Like he's he keeps saying like the world we're gonna make, um, and then it, uh, towards the end, like Charity also comes in um, and is singing like with him. And when they're together as children, like and going into like the house and everything, I get a oh, real yeah. like Bridge of Terabithia vibe. Like it just I did too. I yeah. saw that. I saw the Secret Garden. I got oh Secret um, Garden. Yeah. Uh, but at first when I, like, I was so confused. The pacing in this movie is wild. Oh, the pacing is so weird. It's so weird. Especially in this particular song. I was like, oh, they're walking. I was like, it looks kind of spooky. And they see the house. I was just like, is this, does this turn into a horror movie? Like, what is, what's happening? <laughs> it looks like murdered? that kind of, like, specific kind of dilapidated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That isn't, like, whimsical. <laughs> It's terrifying. It's more like gory. <laughs> a gory kind of dilapidated. Um, um, but yeah, but yeah so I, I do I do like this song. Yeah. I didn't like the first song. It was too I... loud. It was too loud. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of I mean, I don't dislike the song. I don't think there's any song in the soundtrack that I I dislike. appreciate the simplicity of it. Yes, I guess that's it. It it doesn't captivate me the way a lot of the other songs do, but like this movie I think didn't it's a good me. song. This movie does not captivate There's me. There's parts all. of it I was just like, oh yeah, I forgot they existed. And I was like, <laughs> and I think they were a major plot point, so Yeah. Um so Phineas and Charity are basically like this whole story is like the American dream, basically, where Phineas is like a literal rags to riches story. Yeah. And then granted with crime. Um, and then Phineas and Charity are like this American dream relationship goals type setup. Yeah. It's very... And like this song, I forgot. I like heard the song before. I was like, wait, doesn't Pink sing this song? I thought it was a Pink song. Because she oh. sings the reimagined version of A Million Dreams. Yeah. And the, the like updated or like yeah. the mixtape sort of version. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly yeah. Clarkson's so good. I heard like they got a, I was looking at a lot of the artists that they got for that. So that was the um where was that? I saw it down. Yeah, yeah. So um the reimagined version had like James Arthur and Marie. I love Anne Marie. Oh my gosh. Her voice. Oh my is beautiful. god, yeah, absolutely. Um Sarah Bareilles, who we've talked about <gasps> at length Ugh. on this podcast. And we Kelly will Clarkson, again Kesha, during Kate, Panic this. At the Disco. Jess Glynn, Ty Dolla Sign, Missy Elliott. Oh. <laughs> Uh, among um, others <laughs> <laughs> i like them i like them a lot um, um yeah and yeah, then we so, see like eventually like i heard like dad isn't approving of like what she's being like so sending her off to finishing school well he doesn't and, approve her talking to a, a poor person yeah i mean <laughs> it's... but it's and she has a solid spit take comedies for her baby amazing um and they like you see like they like write to each other and it's like very sweet he is um, very young kind of love writing. kind of thing and then like i see his like dad sick all of a sudden i was like what does his dad die or something next <laughs> <Yes>. beat funeral <laughs> uh it's just like they don't have time well you know how movie. disney loves to age children by song <laughs> that's true but like <laughs> but, like i feel is... like it's more and of a is, process is, it's like oh also... starting to get sick this Let's like maybe more workload. Not the first Let's time talk. Disney has full on killed off parents in the middle of a song. 
Oh, no. And they shouldn't stop. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so his dad dies. Uh, and yeah, you're correct, Campbell. It's There's no progression. He's just He just is dead suddenly. <laughs> um, and so, bad, yeah, so we see that grave. he's now... He, <laughs> he's now, like, really fighting for survival. Um, we see him, like, stealing bread um, and then getting it ripped away from him. Um, and then we see... Okay, so this is the thing that bothers me. This is the thing that bothers me. This movie can't decide whether P.T. Barnum, uh, well, I guess Phineas, for the sake of the character in the movie rather than the real person, this movie can't decide whether he's this amazing, hard, like, down-on-his-luck, just, like, American dream caricature who just wants to help people and make people happy, or a malicious businessman who's exploiting people for profit at the sake of, you know, basic human decency it's like because <laughs> it's like okay so this may be a weird analogy but like you know or like you grew up or like were around people like in, say like in college yeah and you could like very clearly like know like who like came from money which is like people have different circumstances it is yeah. what it is but like say you would like went out to a bunch of bars just like oh they'll like cover like tab or something or you do when people that like a lot of people that do like come from like money and stuff like that the very next day it was like oh can you venmo me uh six dollars and 72 cents as opposed to people who like didn't really come from money and mm-hmm. they're just like oh i got it it's like the money's gone it's fine it's five bucks like it's yeah yeah it's i mean it's it happened it's fine i i, I got this one um i feel like he's on the wrong side of that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Checks out. Yeah. Uh, sorry, so listeners, weird. if this sounds disjointed, uh, Raven had to take a phone call so she could rigidly schedule sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> okay, but, cool. Um... Keep that in future, Raven. Um, yeah, so, and then he's, like, offered it an apple from like an outcast and he's offered yes. kindness and that's like what motivates him he's like i'm gonna do something about my situation yeah and the thing that bothers me is that one of the many there's no okay so one there's like zero character development of any character in this movie which i think is a big part of my problem with it um i but... think letty has character development and i think philip Let... does too Letty, yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. They do have some minor character minor, development. Minor, minor. Um, I mean, comparatively, they they but, have character development. But our main <laughs> character, Phineas, has, like, none, which we'll talk about when we get there. Um, but the thing that bothers me is that, like, if you are trying to say, like, Phineas is, like, this good person who's doing all this, like, help these people, like, this could be a character-driving moment of, like, Oh, like in your moment of like most like deepest desperation, like most need, these people reached out and like helped you. Mm -hmm. And so like you're doing this like, yes, obviously to support your family, but like also for them. And like that could be a really cool like people who have been who has who are like othered. Yes. Are still offering me kindness where other people wouldn't. I want to extend the same. Yes, but he doesn't. 
And, like, he's not... I don't know, like, they at, they at the same time, like, try not to paint him as, like, exploitative and, like, abusive, but they also don't shy away from the fact that he's actively, actively othering and marginalizing these people that work for him as well. Like, it's, yeah. I don't know, it feels like they're trying to walk this weird line that it's just like, I don't know what line you think you're walking or what message you're trying to send, but, like, you're not, it's not a good one. Nope. <laughs> yeah. So he starts working for the railroad company. And then we get to future. Hell yeah, Hugh Jackman. He's here. So Hugh Jackman plays Phineas T. Barnum. Adult. Yes. Um, Great. Yeah, so he's like at work and we see that basically like the entire company goes bankrupt because some pirates sank their like ships or like their fleet or whatever. Uh, Which I guess he like Well, that's later. That's after they get married. Oh, oh, you're right. I forgot about this first bit when he's actually yeah. shown. And he's like, uh, he goes goes to Charity's like parents' house. And like for those who don't know who Hugh Jackman is. Um, but like, you know, some other things we've done. Uh, I just listened to our Lay Miz episode, so that's fun. So Lame is. Um, but he also won a Tony from The Boy from Oz. And he's also, like, hosted the Tony Award, like, four different times. Um, yeah, he just, he just wants to sing and dance. We've talked about this. He just wants to sing and dance. <laughs> I, like, he actually, like, turned down the role during this time, turned down, like, uh, like a role as, like, James Bond. Or, like, to be a potential James Bond. Um, because I mean, he was, like... like that's for I, the best, James because he, like, does, he doesn't want... He didn't want people to, like, put him in a category as this like action star instead he wanted to sing and dance in the greatest showman yeah which like i i will say like i think i think the performances in this movie are very good the performances are great i think what i have a problem with is like the editing and the mixing interesting and like sometimes the style but like the but that the style like the style of the song happening regardless how they performed it was good because there there was incredible singers in this yeah and musicians and you know actors and whatever but yeah so he and charity get married um adult charity played by Michelle Williams who's also i mean she was the, she was the she was the cool girl in Dawson's Creek Brokeback Mountain in my week with Marilyn, she, she was Marilyn Monroe. Out. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, she was uh, in my week with Marilyn. She was Marilyn Monroe. She was in Manchester by the Sea. Great, 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 great. Yeah, I also great really actor. like her voice. Like I think in I think, especially of a lot of the cast members, she has a very distinct voice in this. Yes, um, and I, I really like the song "Tightrope" for her. Yep, I agree. And so she was like, "Screw you, Dad! I'm gonna I'm gonna marry him. He's the love of my life." Mm-hmm. And so they, like, get an apartment together, um, and they're just, like, working up. Yeah. And, um, and we see that, like, she gets, she gets pregnant, they have two kids, and, like... They're, they're so... da- straight up dancing in smog, and they're like, how romantic. Do not also, dance so close to a ledge. falls off the roof. Off the building, <laughs> yes. Bro. Don't oh fuck around gosh. ledges like that. And then, yeah, she is pregnant. Um... And then we see him at work, at, like, the bank, using a fun calculator. 
I didn't even realize what that was. <laughs> a calculator. Interesting. An 1800s calculator. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, boop, 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 boop. Um, yeah, and so he goes up to his boss with like, oh, hey boss, I had this like really cool idea. Played by Bob Robnock. Um, yeah, he's like, I have this really cool idea for like this stuff that we could do. And his boss is just like, well, actually you're being fired because the company's going bankrupt. Because, <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> because pirates have sank all our ships. Which is like, that's something that like, I had this weird moment while I was watching the movie. Where I was like, that's why insurance exists now. <laughs> did, <laughs> don't you like that love, happen. because of pirates. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, did, didn't you love though? Like the background when it like fades to the cubicle. So it's like cubicle V graveyard. Oh, I did not. That shot. Like, I mean, the, the, the office that, buildings like, are like right next to a graveyard. And it was supposed to be symbolic or some shit. I did not make that connection, but that is uh, very notable. Your dog Wait. is yelling at you. Yeah, so bankrupt. They're like, I was like, take everything you can. So he takes like a lot of like documents and things like that from the office, heads home, mm-hmm. sees the apartment, there's water damage. His family's on the roof. Uh, mom's playing mean game of cowboys with their daughters. Yeah. They have two daughters, Caroline and Helen, played by Austin Johnson and Cameron Seeley. Um, Austin Johnson has been uh, Lost Girls, Nine One One. Cameron Seeley. Uh, she was in the Jim Gaffigan show, but she also played Cindy Lou Who in the newest Grinch. Um, so then uh, Phineas tells his wife that he like lost his job mm-hmm. again it seems like but charity's very supportive she was like you know what i don't care as long as i'm like i'm living my best life we're together we're happy i'm fine yeah you'll get back on your feet it'll all work out i believe in us because we're working on we're working through this together we're a team yeah and that's only that um is really i think is one of the the like biggest characterizations that Charity's character has. Um, and I feel like it's really reflected in her music too. Um, is the idea of like, I just want to be with you and like have a family. And you know, she's, she's very much Eliza from Hamilton. Like that, that same sort of like, Hey, like I'm okay. Like I understand that you have your dreams and I want to support those, but ultimately I just want us to do this thing together. Like, yeah, like she literally says, like however big, however small, just let me be a part of your dreams. And That's that all I enough. want. That would be enough. Um, but it's not for him because he's sucks. Uh, so it's also like uh, Caroline's birthday, and so her present. Yes. Um, he makes her this like wishing machine, and they make wishes. Helen, the younger sister, is like, I wish I could marry Santa Claus, and they're very supportive of that weird it seems like a grooming situation really and like the age difference is a lot like he always knows when you're sleeping knows when you're awake it doesn't it just seems toxic and also mrs claus exists so homewrecker as a (laughs) as a child who like didn't grow up believing in santa um what is the normal age of like not believing in santa anymore because i I feel like she's like seven or eight um seven or eight i think the youngest i I would think she is is maybe six i think i stopped believing in santa honestly i i think i was kind of late i think like first or second grade right i don't know but yeah so the other uh what's the older daughter's name caroline 
Caroline, yes, it's her birthday. Um, so she Caroline. wants she wishes for a pair of ballet slippers, which they kind of like have a look because they're like mm, we're poor and you just lost your job. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, we get into a million dreams reprise or reprise. And the the, um, the I think it's reprise. Um, I think and the children are singing this time, and they're good. Yes. Oh yeah, their voices are really really. Pretty. And I don't like children singing. I don't like hordes. I think of it's great. I, like, think I don't that's like a, I don't like a children's choir, but like just like a kid or two, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Especially like modern like music, like rock songs that starts with children's choir. I'm just like, ugh, get over yourself. But yeah, so this kind of drives us into like the main the main bit where like now he's like, okay, well I have to figure out a way to like one support my family because I just lost my job, but also give my children and myself the like the dreams that we want to achieve. So. Um, and like, like initially it's motivated by his family but it soon develops all everything's about him he doesn't give a fuck he yeah, like deludes we're gonna, himself we're gonna talk about that at the end too because they try i feel like they try to give him a character arc and like lessen with that but it oh, doesn't yeah. hit the way i think they meant it to yeah. um so yeah so, so he so, lies to the bank yeah, he lies to the bank and says, like, oh, you know all those ships that are in, like, the South China Sea that, like, are kind of, like, at the bottom of the South China Sea, but we're not going to talk about that? Um, they're yeah, mine. Yeah, a fleet of, sh- a so fleet of me... trading ships is my collateral. Yeah, uh, for a $10,000 loan, which is a lot of money now and was even more money back then. Um, and Well, I guess it's not a lot of money to start a business now, but... Um, it is. Interesting. Um, Depending yeah. on business. I guess, yeah. I mean, I, he's starting with a museum. I don't, I don't know how much money that costs. Um, but yeah, so he, he uses that to kind of start up his museum and he takes his family there and they're just like, oh, you know you have to sell tickets to this thing, right? Uh, and he's like, it's gonna, we're gonna sell so many tickets and his wife is just like doubtful. Um, so then like he and the kids are going around uh, trying to sell um, tickets he, and everything. He's hired a uh, thief. A thief be... to watch for the box office. Um, interesting. Magician is. I don't think he is though. No, because... no, that was a joke. He he can do sleight of hand things because he's a thief. So he's okay. going to be the magician. That's what yeah, I Mr. thought. Yeah, Mr. O'Malley, played by Eric Anderson. Yeah. Um, and so then his daughters are like, "Oh, you know, I think you should have like living things instead of just like dead and stuffed." Things. Which I will then say. These two children are the reason for animal cruelty in circuses. (laughs) You can blame Caroline and Helen Barnum. You can blame them for Dumbo being separated from his mother. Oh my gosh. They are the true villains of this story. They just wanted some living... Oh, mermaids and unicorns. Grow up. Grow up. (laughs) Although he did have... Um, They're the one... reasons he rides an elephant to the ballet. Yeah, which was weird. Don't ride elephants. Listeners, don't ride elephants. Um, it's really bad for them. Yeah. Also, uh, fun fact. So one of his first uh, hoaxes um, was referred to as a Fiji mermaid. Um, and it was apparently a creature with the body of a monkey and a tail of a fish. Um and I don't even know how he managed that, but yeah, 
fun fact. Um, so then we get into the scene where he's like recruiting all of these different acts now that are going to come and work for him. And so we get into the song Come Alive. Yeah, we're like he's re- at this point he's like recruiting different people for his show. He recruits uh, Charles, who's twenty two but is two feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Charles being played by do do do. I had it right here. Sam Humphrey, uh, who's also been like Neighbors, um, this TV show, Star Wars self tapes, um, and he plays Charles Stratton. Um, mm-hmm. Other people. Um, He's, like, convincing these people. He's like, oh, they're going to laugh at me. And they're like, they're going to laugh anyway. You might as well get paid. Which is, like, not nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, he seemed, like, he seems like an unintentional saying, bully. It's, it's literally saying, like, oh, yeah, no. People hate you because you look different than them. And I'm not going to, like, that's fine. You just have to live with that. But let me exploit you in the process. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we get introduced to the trapeze siblings. Um, first, Anne Wheeler, played by Zendaya, mm-hmm. um, who's, you know, MJ in the new Spider-Man movies. Uh, she's in Euphoria, Dune. Um, earlier on, Casey Undercover, Shake It Up. Um, I oh, I forgot her. about Shake It Up. I, I She is so great. Um, it's She's one of those, like, you know, celebrities, actors performers that i don't know if anyone dislikes them you know i mean i'm sure someone does those are real people (laughs) uh and then uh her brother is played by yahia abdul mateen the second um who's been in so many things he was the main Mm -hmm. antagonist from aquaman he played manta he's been in watchmen the newest series which is so 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 good he was in The Get Down. He freaking played Morpheus in the newest Matrix. I did not. I haven't seen it. I didn't. But I totally. I haven't seen, seen any him. of the Matrixes. But like, I see that for I, him. I understand a reference. Yeah. <laughs> I like. Incredible. I wish he had more screen time. Agreed. I really like. I really like that actor. I mean, I think a lot of the. Um, this again. This is my one of my problems with the movie. Like a lot of the actors in the. Um, crew what cast. what a, cast yeah i guess cast what do you mean i guess no there's a there's a company a lot of uh, i was referring to mess it's a movie company. it's a cast that's fair um but yeah a lot of a lot of the people in the cast like you really don't see at all if they're the acts of the show but they got a lot of like great people for them and it really confused me that they don't have more screen time like I guess development like you don't learn anything about their characters really yeah besides the two oh uh, then we have you know the notable act dog boy just called dog yeah. boy mm-hmm. played by uh luciano Acuna jr uh who also is like a stunt man like um he's uh been an actor in a bunch of things but he did stunt in the movie Tracers, American Ninja Warrior, and like he is like self credited. He was in an episode of Silent Library. Also, the really tall gentleman. Mm-hmm. You can you don't have to stand on a desk to shake his hand. It's like when he met Charles. Don't kneel down. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do this. You're like dehumanizing these people. Yeah, and it's like. When, which is the most consistent thing he does. 
Yeah, and I think I think that's I think that's the thing that bothers me about it is that again, the music is to me really well done and the the messaging of the songs is really strong for like the message that I feel like the movie is trying to send overall. But the story itself doesn't take any time to pay attention to these characters about like to develop who they are as people or like how they exist within this world. Like it doesn't focus on them at all. And I understand that it's because like in theory, the story is about him, but like they're basically NPCs in this story. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, saw another uh, person um, that joins that is like a main person, Letty Lutz, the bearded woman. Mm, yes. Played by Kelly Settle. Um, she, uh, for the 2014 Les Mis, uh, she was Ms. T, uh, Ms. Thenardier. Now, how do you say that? I didn't say it right before. I don't think we've ever episodes. said it right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, she also originated the role of Becky in Waitress. Oh, that's cool. Uh, she was on a bunch of national tours, like the national tour uh, put on by the Lincoln Center. I played at the Lincoln Center. Uh, Amazing. My own horn, which I did at the Lincoln Center. <laughs> uh, she was in South Pacific. I like that one. Good job, Gable. Um, and it's funny because she always like thought herself more of a like uh, an R and B singer, like her mom. Um, Interesting. She's a fantastic voice. Yeah. She got the Glo- uh, Golden Globe for a best original song from this yeah. movie, like what she sings. Um, great she's great she joins yeah come alive is a song that also it just feels the singing is just feels muted to me i can you know what i can see that what, because what, what, what am i do you know what i'm talking about is there I a better way to describe it i oh. don't i don't know all of the like the music like sound engineering terms that would relate yeah. to it but like i know like that opening sort of like guitar riff that they're playing um it definitely like the sound effect on it is one that's common in like rock like rock pop songs um and like it definitely gives it that more like muted tone i don't know what it's referred to but like if you hear that like opening i guess refrain or, or phrase from the guitar like you'll hear it um and yeah, it does it does give the song the sort of like muted effect. Because again, like all of these all of the song scenes feel like a music video. Which is like it the, the scenes yeah. themselves are very well produced and they're very well stylized and very well shot. The choreography's but they, pretty but good. They just sometimes. exist inside this movie and it feels like the movie was literally just made to put them all together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they put Charles on a horse and like riding around. And I was like, does he know how to ride a horse? Are those real guns? Um, yeah, that was concern. really concerning. And then they <laughs> get I attacked guess I, I by guess they drunk. Could have put in them. That's true. They got attacked. Yeah. I, they probably didn't. Uh, <laughs> got attacked by like drunk protesters. People are like, oh no, not not in my town. Um, so also, they like, suck. Is it just me or does this whole song, well, one, the whole story, but also like come along specifically, kind of give like white savior complex? Ugh, Raven. <laughs> that, that is, that is P.T. Barnum's character in this movie. Yeah, it just, it's very much giving like mother of dragons, like I'm here to save you and you like were incapable of liberating. Like it's, there's a difference between 
oh, we're not able to liberate ourselves because we are actively suffering from like systems of oppression and we're not capable of liberating ourselves because we didn't know that we could be liberated. And like the whole, like, oh my God, the whole world hates us, but that doesn't mean we should hate ourselves. And it's just like, yeah, yeah like. The difference between <laughs> say like uh, Barnum and Philip is that um, Philip uses his privilege for good and Barnum uses his privilege for evil. For exploitation. Exploitation. Yeah. Like, at no point does he use his wealth and his fame to actually help make things better for these people other than just physically employing them, which is, like, a thin line based on the labor laws of the time. Um, Yeah. And then uh, we get intro... Yeah, so now half-price tickets, whoever brings a bad review in, smart. That's just that's just good marketing. That's, like, good that's just good PR. Got no, no notes on that one. I guess that <laughs> is a note, but other than that, no notes on that one. And yeah, it's a fine song. Um, and then we get introduced to Mr. Bennett, uh, James Gordon Bennett, who played by Paul Sparks, who is apparently the only critic in America. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, the- yeah. They're just like, oh, did he hear what he said this time? Even when he's like, when they're like traveling the country with like, yeah, it's still just him that they like care about. We don't see any other reviews. Well, okay, so I I could actually come with the so theater. Well, no, theater critics (laughs) existed, but like theater was changing during this time. Like the the concept of theater as we have it today was still developing during i mean but like they had op yeah no i don't i don't have any words for you like there (laughs) there should definitely be other theater critics um he he calls bonham a purveyor of falsehoods basically Mm -hmm. um and apparently coins just a fraud also okay then we move on to barnum has a surprise for his family the old house Bridge to Terabithia, Secret Garden type mm-hmm. house, exploring children thing, whatever description. Million dreams. Million dreams. He bought the house. Yes. And to get there, what is his carriage being drawn by? Zebras. Bad. Sorry, zebras. Uh, bad. Yeah. Uh... Horses exist. <laughs> okay. Um, and this gets back to the whole, like, which, like, they must be making so, I, at that point, I was like, you're making so much money off of this. But then we find out they took out a loan to get this house. Yeah. And I'm debating how, like, SJW, I want to go with this because, like. Full force, baby. So here's my thing. When we talk about, like, the cruelty of animals and their treatment in, like, the circus and carnival industry, it's far more than just the physical treatment of the animals themselves. Like, it's far more than just, like, oh, oh we're yeah. torturing this animal to train it. Like, like the dancing bears, like, dancing elephants and stuff like that. Like, it's far more than the physical torture that's impl- implemented to get these animals um, to behave the way we want them to. It's also just like the fact that we have them in this climate. Like he lives in New York, in New York at this time. And granted he's touring the world, but like he's living in an environment in the climate that these animals are not intended for. And specifically a lot of the animals that were used in like carnivals and circuses were things like tigers, lions, elephants, um, occasion like like monkeys and stuff like that like a lot of animals um that you get 
from areas that were colonized by European and Western civilizations. So that's why these animals are here in the first place and why they're considered exotic and an oddity is because they're coming from these places that are being exploited and destroyed by imperialism and colonialism. And so it's just like, this is, um, so the fact that you have zebras. Raven, Raven, we, this is my jam right now. Like The fact that you just have zebras in New York, in upstate New York, to just pull your carrot. Like, it's like, I understand that, and I'm not, I don't think I'm mad, I'm not mad at the movie for this, because the movie, I think, is... I'm mad at the movie for other reasons. That's I'm at the movie for other reasons. Like, the movie, <laughs> the movie isn't just doing this to do this. Like, I think the movie is doing this to portray... Oh, no, no, yeah, no, it makes what, sense. Yeah, like, it makes sense within the context of the movie, but it's just, like, in terms of the actual He's like, I'm not historical other, like treatment of these... Yeah, in terms of the actual historical treatment of these animals, like, it just, like, it honestly offends me to just, like, see this. But technically, the movie's doing it right. Yep. Yeah. Um, then we see, like, he gives his daughter ballet slippers. Mm-hmm. And we see, like, her recital. And, like, she does, like, a really good job. And then afterwards, yeah. they're like, oh, we're so proud of you. Um, they, like, see other people in the crowd. Like, a, a young... Um, fest, uh, what is he? So he's a producer of plays, is what they say? I believe so. I think he's like a Max Bialystok, um, oh, but okay. for the for the ultra-rich. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Philip Because they do, they do say that, like, everything he puts on, it's like, everything he puts on is bad, but people go see it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Philip or I can't tell if it's bad necessarily from a critical standpoint or if it's just depressing. They make it seem like it's it's at least just depressing. Philip Carlyle. Yes. Played, Played by, by Zac, Zac Efron. Efron. <laughs> <laughs> Which Bolton. this is our fourth musicals episode with Zac Efron. Um, He's probably the most common actor. High School done. Musical 1, High School Musical 2, and uh, oh my god, it was just in my head. And I'm Link. Yeah, yeah, hairspray. For yeah. some reason, my mind went to Greece, which I could see him playing playing Danny. If he had the look that he had for Link, like with the dark yeah. hair, yeah. I mean, he's he, he would do well at it. Yeah. Um, I actually really like Zac Efron in this role. Uh, I don't know I why. I do too. I don't know and why like, I actually like that. Like, I think Zac Efron is a talented individual, and I honestly think he got way more flack than was deserved for Troy Bolton, mm-hmm. similar to how yeah. like. I think Robert Pattinson got way too much flack for, like, Edward. Um, uh, uh, Robin Pattinson's <laughs> such a good actor. And he's Kristen such Stewart. a good actor. Kristen Stewart's oh my such gosh. a good actor. Uh, um, anyway, yeah, anyway, Zac back Efron, to this Some other stuff. Charlie St. Cloud. He also voiced Fred in the newest Scooby-Doo movie, Scoob. Oh, I feel like I heard about that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he plays Philip Carlyle. Um, and, yeah, basically he's this rich, angsty boy um, who puts on depressing plays for the ultra rich and like everyone we all agrees, know the type everyone agrees that they're bad but like i guess they go because he's like rich and well known and blah 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 and like it's the theater and people have oh this is what fancy people do we go to mm-hmm. the theater yeah um and then we also see um caroline it's caroline's the one that does ballet right yes being helen bullied. is the tree helen is the tree Caroline is being bullied by the other girls in our class. She's like, do you smell that? Smells like peanuts. Uh, Honestly, not the worst insult. No, peanuts smell fine, unless you're allergic to them, I guess. And then her parents, like, hear um, and get, like, really mad. And he's like, no, it's like, maybe I can't do this anymore. Um, You can't just fake it. 
here. Damn, damn girl. Hell damn. Yeah. If you didn't hate animals so much, I'd applaud you. <laughs> um, yeah, so then I, I think this is, uh, in the story, it's presented as like uh, Phineas is like driving uh, motivator, I guess, to it's speak to, prove to Philip the Carlyle. rich wrong. Yeah, to speak to Philip Carlyle and be like, I can be good enough for the ultra rich. Because like his wife calls him out on it. He's like, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm just. He's like, no, 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 no. This isn't about me. Biggest lie in the movie. It's it's always about you. All of this is about you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and so yeah, yeah he, like to Philip, teach me how to you know suck up to snobs. Yeah, like I want I want you to, like partner. So basically, he wants Carlisle to partner with him because he's like, you partnering with me will bring legitimacy to my shows because you already have an in with this class of people that I don't. What do you think? Of the phrase, comfort is the enemy of progress. Because they say it at this point. They do, and... I have some thoughts. Like, on a philosophical level? Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm at that a, level of alcoholness. On a surface level, um, I, I can understand the meaning behind it. Like, in, this, in the same sense, it's like, I guess the opposite of uh, necessity is the mother of invention... Where, like, basically Mother the idea is, like, necessity. if you truly, if you, in, I guess, in theory, like, want for nothing, like, if, if all of your needs are met, then you have no need to continue innovating. But I also think the human spirit is more complicated than that. Like, I think humans, as a, as a species, have a natural knack for curiosity and invention and creativity. Yeah. Um, and I think to an extent, like, even if people's basic needs are met, like, we're still going to be doing stuff. Like we're yeah. we're not just I, going to sit around. Like I don't know. I hate I hate the idea that like humans are lazy by nature, and that if you don't force us to work for our own survival, that we won't do work at all. Because I think that's inherently false. Oh but, yeah, that and that's just capitalistic mindset. I think about this phrase um, a lot. Something we had a lot of deep talks about when I was staying at you. Like I guess a couple years now mm-hmm. ago, a year ago now. Um, how like something you strive for is to be content. Oh yeah, and I, I strive like, for I, basic contentment. I don't. Yeah, and, for joy. which is like, and I've thought a lot more about it, and I feel like, say, like comfort the enemy of progress. Some people want to progress and work to achieve comfort. Mm-hmm. I think the comfort is the enemy of progress is um, dismissive of people that aren't in comfortable situations, and I think that's. Uh, Kind of like explain with like you know where these characters come from and what they're trying to do and their goals and reasons. Agreed. And uh, this, I I don't know. I think to simply say that everyone deserves luxury and like everyone should have like this this level of comfort. I I agree. It's like the enemy of progress. It's the idea of like there's always to me that that's still like within the the realm of capitalism. And it's like the master's tools will never destroy the master's house. You know, like you yeah. can't just, you can't beat capitalism by getting rich. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you're still, ex- like someone is still being exploited. It's just not you anymore. Yeah. Because um, uh, you either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And that's Batman. And I think we've come full circle because uh, we Rock mentioned Batman So earlier. which means <laughs> we do have to keep all this said. Mm. We shall see. Um, uh, we shall. <laughs> okay, then we get to the song 
The Other Side. Okay, this song, I do think it's a good song. It's too modern for me for, like, this setting. Interesting. This is one of the few songs I feel fits in the movie. We're just um, on opposite sides of everything today. Like, I took my glasses off. My glasses. <laughs> um, this, is this yeah, this song, I think one of the more so, feels like a music video. I think Rewrite if, the Stars feels more. Oh, I feel like they're, they're pretty close to me. But they, they are very similar. This is a very stylized scene. Like, I can, I can hear, like, mo- of Monsters and Men sing this song. Or, like, One Republic. Or, like, Mumford and Sons. And, I like, think... It, so- it sounds like, in the context of the movie, that, like, if I just was like, oh, I haven't seen The Greatest Showman, this is the first scene I watched, I would think, is this a jukebox musical? I can see that. I think the reason that I like it, and for me, what what grounds it within the movie, um, the and bartender. I, this, yeah, it's it's the bartender and the, I really love, and I like this in Come Alive too, um, even though Come Alive is probably one of my least favorite songs from the overall soundtrack, but same, I I really like when musicals use the sounds of the environment, and I forget the term yeah. for it, because uh, there is a term uh, that we talked about on one of the episodes stomp-esque. before. Stomp-esque. <laughs> but when when a musical uses sounds of the environment to create the music for the song or for the for the score or whatever um yeah. and so yeah so like in this scene i really like the the use of the bartender and the sounds like the shots sliding against the bar um to accent and stuff like that but i agree that i can see your point as well it's a like i do i think it's a good song it, I mean, it's yeah, it's a good song. It's a question of whether it's it fits within the musical, whether yeah. it's needed within the musical. Also, Philip is so rude to the waitstaff at this bar, this establishment. And could you imagine, like, in like a booth in the corner, like they're not the only ones here. <laughs> Weren't there that, other people? I we didn't see him, but not I like in the, to think not like the main song part, but like I, when they I like to think that like in the corner, some people are just like having a beer. What if that's the Photoshop that we did? I was thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> we're just um, sitting here like... We're just like... Hmm? <laughs> What's um, going on over there? Um, kind of how we were in La La Land. Um, yeah. So The, cor- the, the barman's uh, choreography is really good, really fun. I enjoy it a lot. Solid I, mustache. I do also really like the chemistry between Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron. Like, I really, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I really think, like, the actors themselves did a great job of, like, I guess, relating to each other in these scenes. Like, just, like, the the how crisp it all is between the three the, of them in the it scene. It seems very clear, the sense of camaraderie. Yes. In, like, a theatrical setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so as we get towards the end of the song after the, the bridge, um, and this song is basically convincing Philip to be a part of, to be a part of the show, uh, to be a part of like the Barnum, I guess, enterprise at this point. Um, and they agree on like him taking 10%. Um, and so then they get into this bit where like they're singing together. And I do really like, um, a lot of the, like, I guess, lyrical imagery of this song um so like they talk a lot about like 
the, a key to a cage. Like, so he refers to Carlisle as being trapped in a cage, basically the cage of uh, elite society, um, which I think is an interesting way, uh, is an interesting way to, to talk about that. Cause like, it, I, I can see where, where they're coming from with that. Uh, but then we have this, this developing imagery throughout the song of like, building a key to that cage like at first it starts i was like i can give you the key to free yourself and then it's like i don't actually need a key or like what makes you think i'm in a cage free your mind and the rest will follow (laughs) yes to um oh we can build a key together and then finally to um uh yes forget the cage because we know how to make the key um is the the last one so i don't know i do like i do like the way I think in the movie in general, the lyrics are very well written for all of the songs. And this is what I mean, where like, I think the songs themselves are very good at expressing what the characters are feeling and what is happening in the moment. It's just that none of those things make sense when lined up together. No. Yeah. So then for 10% of the company, he's in. Um, and then he meets, you know, everyone. And yes, Philip, everyone's in love with Zendaya. Get over yourself. Yeah, well, first, so, okay, so, like, at the end of the song, we see them transition into, like, being in one of the shows as he's, like, the other side, like, he's going through the curtain or whatever, and he sees Zendaya, and it's just, like, so why is he in love with her again? Is it just because she's a beautiful black woman? Because, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Like, anyway um so yeah so then he meets everyone continue uh yeah and he was saying um he has some connections you know just like some connections here and there and he (laughs) has set it up so they meet and perform for the queen of fucking england just you know just some minor like some he's done some networking in his day and then a good point to make, uh, Zendaya's character is like, are we all invited? Yeah. And he was like, it's all or nothing. Which. Yep. Say it. Say it. Say it. Here's something that bothers me. <laughs> yep. Say it. Say it. So one, the way they play this scene is like. I keep just calling her Zendaya, is that Anne basically yeah. falls in love, or not falls in love, but like develops feelings for Carlisle because it's just like, oh, a not racist white man in New York yeah. in the 1800s. And it's just like, again, yeah, he did like the bare minimum. Like he wasn't And he's also hot. Actively. <laughs> he's also very attractive and very rich. Um, <laughs> Which honestly, nice. But I don't know. I think a big, I think... And I don't know if this is just because I am a black woman, specifically a black woman who's had relationships with white men before, but it's just like, it really bothers me that they only show this love story from his perspective. Yep. Like the only ever talk about- The perspective of all of this is from the white men. From the white, and and again, I get that the movie is meant to be about Peter Barno, but it's like- Sometimes, sometimes the white women- some very few yeah very very rarely. two songs <laughs> and i think the thing that bothers me is that there's no like they they 
seemingly addressed the idea of like the racial tension, right? Like the idea that like, oh, like there's going to be an issue because the two of them are interested in each other and want to date. Like there's an issue with them going out on a date together. There's an issue with her potentially going to meet the queen and blah, blah, blah. And like, you're touching on these topics, but like at no point do you even, there's not even a single scene that's like expressing her feelings about the situation or like, what do her parents think about her being in this situation? Does she have parents? We don't know. Like, it just, I don't know. It just bothers me that we don't know literally anything about their characters. What is the, what is the, do you know the exact year or like general decade that this movie takes place in? I could not find it in like the plot description, but I think. I'm assuming. I would think around like 1850s based on, 1840s or 50s based on like, um, when P.T. Barnum, like, started his career in, like, entertainment. Okay. And, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Um, I, yeah, I thought it would be, like, close to 1816. That's when Lincoln was elected. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, right. uh, yeah, so, like, that impacted some of P.T. Barnum's later career, but I don't think... I Not think earlier. the point in his career that this movie is set at would be in the 40s, like, the 1840s. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um... If not 30s, because he started his career in, like, his 20s, and he was born in 1810. Yep. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so th- this is this is well before, by, by yeah. a few decades, well before the Civil War. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they go to England. Um, they see the queen, and they're, like, uh, Charles, like, starts, like, roasting her. And I'm like, yes, drag her uh, to <laughs> the queen. And she likes it. Um, queen excuse me amazing queen victoria played by uh gail rankin who's also in glow a bunch of svu episodes the newest like perry mason stuff um fun that's a good job regal yeah another act that was invited another person is the famed opera singer jenny jenny lind uh, who's referred who is, to as the Swedish Nightingale. Yes. Who is played by Rebecca Ferguson, as we said, who's also been Dr. Sleep, The White Cream, Dune. Some, she's been in the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, also, uh, when she was like living in, she's from Sweden, um, she worked at a dance company for a while and she taught uh, Argentinian tango, which I thought was fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, is that neat? I love the Argentinian um, and tango. And then the singing voice, Lauren Allred, who was discovered by Neo and like really championed um, Interesting. by him. Like he found her like off her, her like YouTube like yeah. videos. Um, she was in season three of The Voice on Adam Levine's team and she made it to like the top 15. She made it to like the live rounds, which like takes a lot mm-hmm. to get to that point. Um, and in 2021, um, she was like listed on as being like a part of the Andrea Bocelli tour. That's really cool. Yeah. And we get to, yeah, voice of a nightingale, heart of an angel. She gives to widows and children. Um, which apparently, um, the actual woman, Jenny Lind, uh, again, she was referred to as a Swedish nightingale. She was a Swedish, uh, opera singer. Um, and was apparently a part of Barnum's. Yeah. Um, and the money, uh, so part of her, I guess, compensation when she was on tour with him was that he would give her money for her charities and she like would donate to um, to basically improving education, like building schools for, for Swedish children. Which I thought was really cool. I think that's cool too. Yeah. 
Although um, she, why does she have a British accent? Like, I know why I she either. has a British accent because it's Hollywood, but like, why does she have yeah. a British accent? And also, okay, so then um, Barnum convinces her to like, you know, have like one night only, a show in America. Um, and he's like, like, why should I do this? And he said, for once, I want to get them, give them something real. He has real people you already. Have real people. But they're not people. Zendaya did all her own stunts in this movie. Oh, good for her. Yeah, she's great. Oh, uh, the acrobat um, scene? Oh, my gosh, amazing. Oh, so great. Um, Although she moved very quickly. Yeah, and this is the thing. She was like, yeah, teleport. she did. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, oh, it was like a little too fast. She became Spider Man, which is funny. <laughs> and this is. I don't know. Like, it's. It's at the same time within the context of like within the historical context of like this time and these people and this society and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I understand, but it just, it's just annoying to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, she is very talented though. Um, but it does feel like, I remember, I do remember like feeling that way. Uh, sorry. I feel like I'm getting my thoughts mixed up. Um, I will never forgive you. <laughs> Wait, so we, we get into the song um well no that's later on. Shoot. Yeah, no, no. Okay. So he says he says he, that he's he, never heard her sing before. Like he's never um basically he's just going off of Philip Carlyle's reputation. reputation. Yeah. Um because basically like, yeah, both of our reputations precede us, like blah blah blah. Um but he's like, I wanna get more into that world and like I wanna break into basically the socialite, like, social elite society. Um, and you can help me do that. Um, so she agrees to join his tour as a result. And of then um, they have, like, a one-night show for these people. And she performs. Yeah. Never enough. And then he's like, oh, God, I hope she can sing. Um, oh, and this dude sucks. Like, Philip asks us, like, oh, where should, like, the rest of the company join us? And it's just like your box, and he was like, "No, no, no, no. Um, my box is too visible. Visible. The acoustics are better, like backstage or like in some dressing room or whatever." Yeah, so he literally hides them away. He um, sucks. He sucks. Also, the song "Never Enough." I was just—it's a good song. It was on like t- Billboard Top 100 for like a while. Yeah. I was expecting an opera performance and I was disappointed I didn't get one. And yeah, and see I had the same issue because I like opera. <laughs> when I was watching it, um And she can see When I was opera. watching it I had this weird feeling because in my mind on the one hand it's like I've heard the song before and I like this song. But on the other hand, it doesn't fit with, like, the imagery. Like, the no. scene that is set with, like, her... She's in this beautiful cream gown. She's decked out with jewelry. She's on the stage with this pianist and, like, this full orchestra. And, like, she's singing. Fucking belted. Yeah, and, like, it... If, like, you know that this is a scene in which an, an, an opera piece would be performed, like an aria or something like that, but, like, instead you get this sort of, like, poppy-esque song and it's not a it's not it's a good song yeah but it just doesn't feel like it fits and like you know it's like not and you can you great. also kind of know that it's being lip sung yeah or and you know it's like like at this point this not really a good scene when you'd rather watch repo the genetic opera <laughs> oh that's that's rude <laughs> i mean but she was so talented yeah, it World feels weird, and like, singer. I kind of don't feels know. Feels weird, man. 
I don't know. I was, we can talk about, we can talk about who the music is by um, later. But and... it is a good song. It just doesn't feel like it fits. The music's too modern. Which I think like, and I, I want know, it we... to be more campy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like with the other work that the, that the musicians for this have done, it makes sense. Um, yeah. But it just, I don't know, it didn't, it, none of the music felt like it fit. One, the era, which like it doesn't have to, you can use more modern music to um, portray stories from a different time period. But I feel like the music still has to feel like it fits the characters. And I think that's the thing. I think it, in the, the, this the, musical, a lot of, some of the music doesn't feel like it fits the character singing it, specifically the, the lyrics song. do, but the music doesn't. Like, yes, like never enough arrangement is of literally P.T. Barnum's anthem. Yes. And he's like being so touched by it, like it's like she's singing to them. She like explains during this movie that like she came from nothing and this is like how she was able to escape from that. And they like, you know, saw themselves in each other. And we also see this where Philip like makes a move, like holds Zendaya's hand. Yeah. Anne's hand. Let's just say a character's name, Campbell. <laughs> um, and then he fucks it up because his parents see him. Um, were those his parents? I thought they were just other like rich people. That it, I did. thought I thought it was his parents. It might have been just other rich. I don't know. Don't remember. I'm not sure, honestly. Um, and then, like when they're like she's singing and stuff, I'm just like, fuck, Phineas. I don't like you, but you better not cheat on your wife. Okay, and here's the thing, is that, like, they never say that he does, but they also strongly imply it without implying it. Yeah. I don't think he did, other than that stage kiss. But um, but it's also interesting, um, this is one of the few times that we see, like, during the applause and stuff, um, P.T. Barnum does not hear it. Applause, applause, applause. Yeah, they, they do this it's um, always common muffled. sound. Yeah, they do a sound effect where... Uh, this is, like, the second time it happened. Because the first time, I think, was after... Either during Greatest Showman or in Come Alive. When they were showing, like, his first performance. Yeah. His first big alive. show. Yeah, I think in Come Alive. Uh, they did the same thing where, like... He's so focused on this imagery of, like... People cheering for him and applauding for him that it's... It becomes all he's focused on. It becomes all he's thinking about. All he's, like, basically he perceiving. Cannot be satiated by this alone yeah um which i think is an interesting character theme to carry through the musical and like they touch on in the song from now from now on at the end um but yeah so then um we kind of time skip a bit um and indeterminate amount of time which always bothers me in a movie where they don't tell you how much time has gone by um but we see that okay he's been doing shows and stuff like that he hasn't been at the original theater museum whatever place in a while so he's been gone a lot uh gone the a con- lot confrontation with his in-laws yes um so at the end i i skipped past that uh oh, but I, I just thought it was important for like the character and just how much he sucks oh yeah i got that he he was just like his wife's like don't don't embarrass us he's like oh i'm not gonna embarrass yourself you're proud of me now not dad yeah so he and like the father-in-law is just like 
I still think she's gonna come home. And then he yeah. was fucking. He's like, oh, I see that you haven't changed as a, or grown as a person at all. Uh, was like, well, also you haven't either. But interesting. Um. Yeah. So so then yeah. So we see that it's been a while since he's like been back at the and show. Then, oh no, we're been... skipping an entire song. What are you talking about? Because then afterwards, like, um, the rest of the company was like, oh, cool, let's have drinks. And they're like, no, you have a show, like, in an hour. And and she was like, that's not a time skip. That's, like, right after the performance, I thought. The first performance with Jerry Lynn. Because that's when she decides, Jenny Lynn, Lynn, that, that, like, we can, this is going to be a regular thing. And she makes a toast after he embarrasses himself in front of his in-laws. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, denies company, his company entry. He's like, you have a show to do. Don't come in here. And then that immediately gets I into, totally... this is me. Okay, what happened was, what I happened dissociate was. when this is me happens. And when I'm watching Keela Settle, uh, or Keala Settle, um, sing, I fully dissociate and begin merely experiencing. And I fully didn't even write down the song. Like okay, that, it was cool. happening. Cool, cool, cool. I was just like, "What are you doing? Um, <laughs> so you like, done you fucked up, Barnum." Um, and the lyrics are like, "We're not scared to be seen. No apologies." And I'm like, "She should be in charge." High key of this operation. Yes. Um, song. The song is so good. Although the the slow motion was weird. Really, I actually liked it. I thought it was weird. I but I I like a lot of the stylizing of it. these scenes. I I feel like it gave that moment more impact, oh, but yeah. I also I also do think it's a technique like with the audio clipping like it, I think it's also a technique that they use a lot in the movie, so I get that it I, can feel old. I think it could have been done like I don't know maybe I would have liked it more if it's like the song ended and then everything in slow motion and then she's just like taking it all in. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Um, but this um, is this song. A good is song. Great song. Fantastic. It's a song all about like self acceptance and um, self advocacy, really, about saying, yeah, like, they, hey. There's, also, there's so many more protesters now. Yes. And, but that's also the thing that bothers me is that, like, they don't actually address that at all or, like, how it's impacting them or whether they're, like, actually getting hurt or injured. Because, like, there are times that we see them. The like, perspective of this. <sighs> movie is from pt barnum and he ignores them and he ignores so he, it, yes. we're not gonna have that focus um but yeah this this song is like a full-on anthem and like i don't know if you ever watched like there were a lot of there was a lot of footage uh out on like youtube and like other sites um from the pre-production of this movie so right. there's a period with especially with musicals like this where a lot of the music is actually written beforehand um, yeah. so that the cast members can like learn the lyrics and rehearse the songs and everything before they come to actually film. So there's some footage from when they were, the cast was performing the songs for some of the production, like high level Disney team mm-hmm. to get the show greenlit basically. And when they're performing this song, it's like the energy in the whole room is just like, vibrant you know it's just like everyone singing along becomes this like whole community like i feel like this song really does create that like this this is it's one of those songs that is so completely about learning to love yourself and i think a lot of um people of marginalized identities but also just anyone who's ever felt 
othered, which I think is pretty much everybody. Like everyone, yeah. everyone strives for acceptance and for belonging. Like that's human nature. Um, and I think this song just really encapsulates that that feeling that a lot of us um, experience in our day to day lives, especially people with marginalized identities. Yeah. Yeah. Another drink. Drink. Numero trace. Good job. Well, it's halftime, sports fans. Um, I don't. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, it's Campbell from Boost Coles. Uh, I'd like to tell you all about Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation. This foundation keeps music alive in schools by providing vital support services to school districts and new musical instruments to underfunded music programs nationwide, giving underrepresented youth access to the many benefits of music education leading them to success in school and inspiring creativity and expression through playing music. There have been over 34,000 donated instruments and over 2 million students impacted by this organization. Some of the support services they offer are professional development for music teachers led by certified uh, instrument repair technicians and further community engagement and instrument drives, just to name a few. Again, Raven and I believe the best way to support us as a podcast is to support organizations like Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation that supports music education and the passion of music in our youth. You can donate at mhopus.org slash donate. Again, that's mhopus.org slash donate. Uh, back to our nonsense. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so then we see, like... Barnum like kind of moves through says that he's going to go on tour with Jenny Mm -hmm. and Philip's like what about us and he like doesn't even say hi doesn't even speak to them yeah he was like couldn't even say hello and Philip's like well he couldn't say goodbye either he's leaving um and then they remind him like aren't you late for something so Anne was told she has tickets to the theater a ticket to the Mm -hmm. theater but it was actually two tickets Surprise he's date. going with her. Which did she think she was what did she what did she think was happening? She she was going to go to the theater by herself. Which I pulled strings so that like the god ticket so that she could go to the theater. No, no, no I get that. I get that. Yeah. But the vibe that was given in the scene with the um with like the cast and everything was that this was going to be a date. Yeah. So everyone else knew about it except for her. <laughs> that's that's my thing. Is like because she, she would have said no. Did she, she didn't realize consent to this. that this is a date? No, because, it was okay. a surprise. He She's said, making sure we. He said, "I didn't tell you because I didn't think you'd come." That's true. He does say that. Yeah, yeah. which is makes is me concerning. confused. Why you're confused? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I guess, my thing is like, why? Do you not trick people to love you? Not as a rule, no. Interesting. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so they're going up the stairs to um, to walk into the show, and they pass as parents, which are who are coming out for some reason. Which like this isn't like a movie theater like we have now. Like they're if you were going to a play, you were going Doesn't to make the... sense. Doesn't make anyway. Any sense. <laughs> so they're leaving and, apparently, and then they're just like, oh, let's be racist. And then mm-hmm. she like she was like, you know what, fuck this, and she leaves, and he's like. Um, I hate you. You suck. Okay. I'm no. I'm. I'm done with this. 
And you know what? Okay, so I, I finally, I finally, I've been trying to like figure this out for a while now. I finally put my finger on the reason why the nature of the story bothers me. Mm-hmm. Because it's more than just like... So yes, we are following a white cishead male protagonist, which like a lot of stories are like that, that's not inherently a problem. Um, okay. We... We are, one, seeing the world only from his perspective, which is a little bit of an issue because of the specific social issues going on at this time. But, again, it's like, I can understand that. That's fine. But he literally that... says to her later, why do you let them bother you? Like, why are you bothered <gasps> by that? <laughs> yes. But the, that gets to the thing that, the thing that bothers me is that in this movie, any time any of, like, the uh, circus acts or... Um, like Anne or like her brother, like anytime anyone that has a marginalized identity in this movie is treated differently because of said marginalized identity in this movie, they act so shocked and offended. And it's like, yes, it's a, it's offensive behavior on the part of the other person, but it's like, what world do you is live it, in? Like, Anne, there is no way she would be surprised by these people's reaction. Like, the way she acts here is like, oh my god, how could you say something so hurtful to me? And it's just like, that's not what her oh, reaction would I, be. I, I didn't take that as her reaction. I took I took it as of... like, of course. And she leaves. She's like, I'm not dealing with this. I took a lot of her reactions and the reactions of the of the other cast in this movie as like a oh people are so mean to us and it's just oh, like yeah. oh and yeah. the rest of the cast are just like oh yeah they're gonna be together forever because nothing can stop what their love what could <laughs> nothing in society yeah. everyone everyone outside of them like it's just so which like for his character i can get it because yeah, but for but everyone else, for everyone else, like y'all, where there's don't... like literally still <laughs> slaves in America. Also, it also confuses me because there are other black people in the cast that they don't. I mean, granted, they don't assign specific acts to a lot of the people in this, but like there are other black people in the cast that at least don't have an obvious reason for being there. Like they're not dressed as like trapeze yeah, artists. Yeah, one or woman like just looks super cool and sings great. <laughs> like, just, so it's just like, oh, are, are black people just here because like they're here? Like, are we just hanging out? This is, a, this what, is what, the mid-1800s. Like the concept of a black person is no longer an oddity anymore. Like this is, this is not the 1600s, fam. Like... like. <laughs> Black people are no longer odd for just like existing. <laughs> well, to PT Barnum. Uh, who knows? <laughs> okay. Um So then he follows her back to the museum and says, Why do you let Why do you let people... them bother you so much? <laughs> what the fuck is your problem? Bruh. Like oh And then we get God. to the song Rewrite the Stars. Which this is, Which a is song. still like like what you were saying. This song is like if we can rewrite the oh, stars, please. make our make our own histories. We can be together, and that's everything's fixed. It's just like outside of their relationship, and like this one instant, there's not an issue. Yeah. And it even the lyrics of the song, which again, I get that they're written to be a little more poppy and like uh, accessible to a wider audience, but it really frames the issue as like, 
oh, we're just not meant to be together. And it's like, no, there were like severe and significant societal, like structural reasons that are like of why you as a couple are being discriminated against. To have the (laughs) chance to be together. Also, she just yeets away. (laughs) She eats herself away, which I didn't think was possible. She flies. Like, she, like... Okay, that first move when she's, like, first... I'm not in this business. But I don't think, and I'm not a physicist, (laughs) I don't think if you could just lift up a sandbag slightly from one pulley system, just be like... And then it just flings you up. This isn't like measuring tape physics, you know? (laughs) It's not just like, Yang Yang, are you going to pull me up yet? Inanimate object not being, no force is being acted upon. (laughs) And then she like goes like around. I'm just like, how are you going back? uh, Who is controlling these? Yeah, like trapeze, uh, trapeze performances like that take a lot of work. Yeah. And like crew members, because um, also, and also that, Philip, that... you know he doesn't have the upper body strength for like <laughs> his perspective to like being able to hold on to her. But like the very first move when she's first going up in the air, how does that not dislocate your shoulder? <laughs> it's very, it's very Peter Pan. Yes, and, and but I I do think like again the editing of the scene is beautiful like the cinematography yeah. of this scene is the shot when she's on like the ring and she's like floating down and like circling her legs is gorgeous like it's beautiful beautiful visual effects but like physics is also a thing that exists yeah. and so this song is very much like we choose what our world is we like should choose what a world is, but Anne at the very end says, "But I can't have you." Yeah, we're bound to break in, and my hands are tied. Um, and I don't know, like I think, how do you feel about their? Well, we can talk about it at the end. We can talk about yeah. it at the end. Um, um, and then we cut back. Uh, Barnum's going to be going fit, on yeah, tour. He's going on tour now. And Charity's um, just like, when, like, I'm fine. Like, you keep on saying you're doing this for us. We're fine. We have more cool. than enough. We yeah. were fine in the apartment. Yeah. Um, when will this be enough for you? You don't need everyone to love you. And then he, like, snaps back at her. He's like, you do not know where I come from, my position, my perspective on these kinds of things. Which, again, Which, like, in is a like, sense, true. Is, is, it's not not true. Like, that is fair. Like, yes, no one can truly understand what you're feeling unless you communicate it with them. Um, but it's not like she has not, not lived in squalor. And it's also very when she dismissive. she married him of, and left. It's very dismissive of her feelings and, like, her needs in this situation. Like, it's, yes, you are correct that... And the daughter's understand- needs. Yeah, like, we understand that you came from nothing and that you're doing this to try to, like, support your family and make sure that they never, that your children never experience the level of poverty that you experience. Like, I understand that. But at the same time, there's a point where, like, a line needs to be drawn between I am providing, I'm doing everything that I need to do to provide for my family and I am actually meeting my family's 
emotional needs in addition to their physical needs. And, like, I think there was a long period of time, especially with just, like, the construct of masculinity within our society. I yeah. feel like we're getting very SJW this episode. But I like, don't care. This, this but, sucks. Um, but, like, especially with the construct of masculinity within our society, like, people have emotional needs. And it's not enough to just say, like, I'm for, I'm making sure that there's food on your table and clothes on your back and a roof over your head because at the end of the day, you're still my dad or you're still my husband. Like, especially I have... to someone who's been nothing but supportive. When they were yes. in a position... Like, for, like, almost a you decade. You were financially stable. No, when they were financially unstable, she was just like, I'm happy. We'll get this through this together. We got this. And yeah. then he's just like, you don't know what it's like to not have any money. It's like... Bruh. They lived together with children for a while, not having and any she, money. And she was coming from an aristocratic background. Yeah. so and she that, was just like, I'm happy. Yeah. So that this is what for her. Uh, bro. It's just so yeah. then we get into the so he leaves with his children crying, screaming Literally after screaming him, and running and he after says his carriage. Nothing, bro. And then we get into the song "Tightrope." Great. Song. I think, I think from a video editing standpoint, this is the best scene in the movie, in terms I of like so stylization. And the way, oh my gosh, the way they juxtapose. Well, I don't think it's juxtaposition. I think it's. Juxtaposition there's a, there's differences. A, yeah, but there's another word that's similar to juxtaposition that also refers to uh, symbolizing or demonstrating things side by side, but I can't Contrasting. remember. Contrasting? No, no, no. It's... I can't remember. A literary it thing? Yeah, it's another it's another rhetorical device, but I can't remember what it's called. Um, uh, but you and your figurative language. <laughs> <laughs> every time in the song that they that she's singing with you, the imagery that's being portrayed is of him of him specifically not being there. So like yeah. they they do this really good thing in this movie of kind of merging. I talked this a little before, but sort of merging the reality and the fantasy, which is a hard thing to do in live action musicals, especially. Um, but here we it's very clear that these images are all happening in her head and like she's imagining herself like dancing with her husband and like spending time together like as a family and all they this were stuff. A team. And, like, everything was done together. Yeah, and we're seeing the imagery now of him being gone and missing his daughter's ballet recitals of, you know, she's missing dancing dinner. around dancing around the house oh, and like wanting me. him and wanting him to be there and he's instead off on tour with Jenny. You know what I mean? And I think the way that they use both the music and the cinematography to display like her emotional state is just spot on in the scene. Yeah, and the song is just really good. It's really it's and very, her voice is beautiful. Yeah, is this is what I wanted from this musical. It felt very like tightrope. It felt very circus themed. It felt very it felt a part of the musical. And it felt on theme. Yeah. Like a bitch loves a, a lot theme. Of, uh, a bitch loves a theme. Um Yeah, so then we go back straight away to Jenny and Phineas. Oh yeah, we see like the back and forth also throughout the song. Like it's like, oh so much applause, like it's going really well from them, but then it's the growing it's tension back her. at home. Yeah. 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 And then at this point they like the protest is getting worse. Um, and they were like, did you see Mr. Bennett gave us a good review? At this point, I was like, is he the only critic? They've been touring the country. <laughs> the fuck? Doesn't He's make the any only... sense. 
He's the only critic. Um, yeah, and so we see Jenny and <laughs> they. She's <we> like, <laughs> and this this the scene where she's like, so did you sleep together? It would make because... and it would make I would like I, it would make Jenny's actions make way more, more sense. realistic. Yes, because her, her... I don't think they did though yeah because her words and her actions like make sense if it's like oh we've been sleeping together you've told me like you love me and you're leaving your wife for me and blah 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 and now you're going back on that and like that makes her storyline make sense but if it's just like no we've just been doing a tour together and you fell in love with me yeah you fell in love with me which is like honestly not his fault yeah that's that's not his fault yeah um it's not his emotional burden to carry and it's very much it just like makes her such a stupid character it like takes away a lot from her character it's just like oh we relate to each other so i thought we'd fall in love i know i've met your family i know your wife i know your history i know all this stuff nothing's ever happened we never talked about anything happened but when i like you know ask about it or like pursue this once and you say no for you know justified very good valid good reasons you're like oh i'm going to ruin everything for you and for myself yeah it just that doesn't that doesn't feel like like that it just doesn't seem like someone who says like she like she came from nothing she had to work hard that she would like she just is throwing this all away from a mediocre white dude that's just this, like you know bigoted like that doesn't make any sense this movie feels to me like there were a lot of deleted scenes <laughs> because it honestly feels like there's holes in the story like it feels like there was a scene missing where we saw it weeks understood a, a clear dynamic between them and it doesn't have to be a literal sex scene but like we've we literally we literally went from oh you think she's talented so you want her to be a part of the show to she is crying and distraught because you won't what leave your wife for her like it's just <laughs> it's so confusing where the relate how their relationship develops and what it is at this point um, yeah, and she's like, "Am I just another one of your little acts?" What the? Fuck you are do literally you think an act. We was? have a contract. You are my employee. <laughs> um. So we get to a reprise of "Never Be Enough," and she's like crying, and it's like everyone's just like, "Oh, this wasn't the best." It still sounds really good. So like, I would still I don't know what to tell you. Um, still sounded great, and then she was like it seems like we both lost then and then like they're taking pictures and stuff he comes home bow she mm-hmm. kisses him yep publicity time for the pictures and she says that was goodbye which now what i don't understand in addition to everything else mm-hmm. he leaves he yep. finds out that she quits and is surprised by it didn't yeah. she tell him right then and there <laughs> that it's over yeah what this movie doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, so then we go back to the main, like, Barnum's Theater or whatever. Um, and we see that they're doing a show. Um, and there's, like, a fight that breaks out at the end of the show. Yeah. So that at the end of the show, the protesters are in there. And they're like, go, get out of our town. And they're like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then they say some racist shit, and Zac Efron throws a punch. 
Yeah. And then they start. So it's um, Zac Efron. No, it's not. It's not Zac Efron's character. It's Anne's N-W-D. brother. Oh no! I thought the, I thought Zach. I thought Philip fights first, and WD backs him up. Uh, I I, I perceived as WD through the first punch, but you might be right. Um, I mean, but also okay. This is another thing I've like, seen that like, like this, didn't this make something... sense to me because I didn't understand <clears throat> why WD. I, I saw it as him starting the fight. I didn't understand why because there's a lot of them, like a lot of the the. Pro- protesters, I guess, that are there. Yeah. But also, um, they're a bunch of, like, drunk fools, and these are, like, basically trained dancers, athletes. Mm-hmm. Dog Boy can take half of them. <laughs> and we see Letty scream, charge, comically, and they're just getting out, you know what, all their aggression off these fuckers. And I'm like, I... Honestly? Honestly? You could kill them. But here's the thing that gets me. <laughs> They're doing like real fighting moves, like not like oh you're dancers so you're nimble and stuff like that. But like a lot of them have lived on the streets though, and they've been outcasts. They've had to like fight for themselves. They've had to like really work. Okay, but there's a difference between Charles Strayer should have brought his gun. <laughs> he has a couple. Oh, that's true. He does have a couple of pistols. No. Big facts. Um, yeah. So then that turns into a fight. Get scene. one of the lions. <laughs> That turns into a fight scene, and then they uh, end up burning down the theater, which apparently the theater burned down a couple times. Um, that was like yeah. an actual thing that happened. Um, yeah. And then Barnum comes back to the station. He, the family sees him. He's just like, why are you back so early? He's just like, I missed you. Fucking lied. There was so many pictures taken. You don't think anyone's going to find out? Yeah. Stupid. Yeah, that was that was sketch. Um, Here's that the fire. Is happening he runs and apparently Wait. is like oh it's still in there so yes philip runs in after him Anne wasn't in the fire no she yeah so so yeah um we see so then, Anne then run out from like the side and like run like how wd and then hugh jackman uh or uh uh pt he, like runs in it's like oh part, i have to say Part Barnum uh, runs in like to save Philip. Yeah, and honestly, I thought they died. And then I, I mean, was like, it would make oh, sense because make the sense. entire building collapsed in on itself. But um, and like when they felt like they did burn the set down. Oh wait, what? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, so that's neat. Um. Um, if, and so, I, I, I had the note, if this was an animated movie, you know those elephants would have been helping putting out the fire. Yes. Was a thought I had. Yes. <laughs> because they can't help themselves. Um, but yeah, and so then we see Philip, like Philip ends up in the hospital and we see uh, Anne is like hold, like at this point she's not holding his hand, but we see that she's like sitting next to him and singing and we get a... Um, reprise of rewrite the stars and this is the moment that i wrote down that this movie does not earn any of its emotional payoffs because wait say that again where are we uh in the rewrite the stars reprise when she's visiting him in the hospital after the theater burning oh i oh yeah okay that happens but also like a million dreams is in the background playing Wait, are you talking about when he's waking up? 
No, no, no. This is okay. Okay, I got confused. Yeah, yeah. This, this is a. Uh... Oh yeah. Well, actually, wait. Does he wake up in this scene? No, no. It's because very... there's there's two scenes. There's one there's one where she's just visiting him, and, she, and we get the reprise. And there's another later on where he actually wakes up. I, I oh sorry I didn't write down there was a surprise here my apologies oh you're good I have like the elephants would help if it's animated and then a million dreams in the background when he's like sitting there during the day on the rubble of his stuff oh yeah I heard that as well the the back yeah. in the background like the little piano yeah and yeah. then like Mr. Bennett comes up to him yeah with a flask because of course I guess we don't know anything about this character now. who's apparently the only critic They're in friends country. now. Another critic may have called it a celebration of humanity. Then why didn't you, piece of shit? <laughs> like, what the... Like, like this movie was that a redeeming no thing? Sense. It was like, you know what? I sympathize with... Mr. Bennett actually was a good guy all along. No! I... I have called no everyone a bunch of freaks and they're like, and, you know, incited riots. And now that things are burned down and people got hurt, he was like, you know what? Another guy might have said, what you're doing here is pretty good. Not I, said the frog. You want some <laughs> liquor? It's 9 a.m. <laughs> like, what What kind of resolution is that? Again, this movie doesn't earn its emotional payoffs. I don't know. <laughs> oh, and then this is the point where you're talking to Mr. Bennett. It's just like, oh, you know what? We should be able to rebuild, take some money, uh, some profits from Jenny. He's like, oh, haven't you heard? She quits. And you're on the paper yeah. making out with her. And he's like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's like, what did you think? What did you think, one, the point of her kissing you while you, like, during the photo op was? Two, did you really think no one would see that? Did you think no one would print that At photo this hubbly, of you? this highly publicized event. Like what? Finish that you literally a spotlight's on you while you kiss. Oh, literally a whole spotlight. You're like yeah, a world famous singer, and you are notable man yourself. That's yeah. well known to be married to someone. And so then he, he runs home. home. Um, and I actually, the thing I really like about the scene, so he gets home and Charity is leaving because obviously, um, yeah. She's and. Like, I'm going home. And I really like this. I really like yes. I really like that the visuals of this scene directly parallel when they were children. So she's wearing um, this like vivid like blue dress, um, and he's like covered in like soot from the fire. Which like when they were kids, um, and he was just like dirty because he was poor, I guess. <laughs> and poor people are dirty and gross. In case you didn't know, Campbell. Um, wow. And she was Ray wearing the, wow. the blue dress. True colors coming out here on the pod. Wow, I can't believe you said that. I'm problematic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like other girls. I'm quirky. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So she is leaving and taking her children because she's like. You know what? I'm done. Uh, which, like, good for her. Um, and and also, like, it sucks that her dad was right. Yeah, that's something that made me really upset. Is that, like, she just wanted to love this man and, and build like, one a of world thing, with One him. thing she didn't know, that he took out a loan to, like, live in this house. And speak, they're being evicted. And she was like... You didn't even ask me. You know I would have said yes, but at that, if we you didn't if you did ask, me. we would have. It would just be 
us doing things together like I thought we did. Mm-hmm. You know I would have said yes. Yeah. And that's Which is the point the he started making things about him. Yeah, because he's so caught up in like... And, and the rat it's, race. It's even the idea of like, I have to do this for my family. It's like, but your family is actively telling you that like they don't want you doing this. Yeah. Like your family is telling you what if they it's, need. If it's, hey, don't do this for me. And then the person does it for you. And it's like, why? Wait, why are you reacting like this? I'm being sweet. I'm being nice. No, you're not. Because you're actively going against my wishes. You're not doing it for me. You're doing it for you. Yeah. And that's been him for this entire journey. Manipulative. Um, Sucks. And so then he ends up back at the bar that um, I, I guess was popular. So like, I think this is like the, it's the same bar from the other side. And I think the implication here is that like this became a regular bar for them. Um, wow. Yeah. Charles, don't work, like, don't walk on the bar top. Yeah, necessary. people's drinks go on that and like food and stuff. Ugh, man. That's dirty. Um, and and they're again, just like, shut up, Barnum. Don't be bad down on yourself. You gave us a family, a home. You did no wrong. <laughs> and, and so when we get to the end of that first, the first bit of the song, from um, now on, yeah, when he sings, um. If all is lost, there's more I gained because that led me back to you. And when he sings that line, he's going down the line of like photos that's hung up that are hung up at the bar, and he gets to one of him with his family, and he sings that line to the photo, which to me, especially given that the entire cast, mm-hmm. and like the acts and stuff, were all in the bar, is saying like, "Y'all don't matter. I'm not doing this for you. I've never done this for you. I don't give a fuck about you. I'm only doing this for my wife and children." Which, like, on the one hand, it's like, yes, it's good that you are thinking about your family, and it's good that you want to support them and give them everything. And like, blah, but you're blah, blah, still but exploiting time, people. Like, you are still ignoring all of these people and exploiting them. And, and who like, gave and you this, is, this opportunity and the ability to provide for your family? And this is why I say Phineas literally doesn't have a character arc because right here he's doing the exact same thing that he was doing at the beginning of the story. At the beginning of the story, he was like, "I need to do this for my wife and children so that they can have." an amazing world, an amazing life, like blah, blah, blah. And now you're back here. You're at your lowest point. Well, not your lowest, lowest, but you're, you're at basically your lowest point. And you're still just doing this, like supposedly doing this for them. But it's like, but that wasn't I the point. I would have loved to see this movie in the perspective of Letty. Yes. We would or see Barnum on the else. side. <laughs> and then they're like, and we'd come back home, come back home, because home is like the people you make it, blah, 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 blah. Great. Yes. Yeah. I love that they have like a, you know, community. Yeah. Here's the part that I feel kind of bad about during this song. I was like, okay, so this is the finale. Okay. Nothing's going to be left. Completely forgot about Philip in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Because they, I feel like the movie... And so he's like, we go back to the hospital. I was just like, oh, yeah, this is a thing, is a thought I had. Um, A major plot point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he wakes up, and they kiss, and then everyone, like, in the hospital unit is just like, (gasps) gasp! Um, Because, you know, it's the 1800s. Um, And then he, like, you know, gets better real quick, and he, like, goes to, like, talk to... Phineas, mm-hmm. 
And he was like, hey, what did the bank say? The bank said no. Okay. Well, Philip's like, you brought joy into my life. These, like, this, like, this community, these people. Again, I do like, care you're about so them. amazing. You're fantastic. You're, you know, you're the reason you saved each and every one of us. Even me, this down-on-his-luck his rich white boy. Like, <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is this? Um, but Philip put aside his 10%. Because, you know, he's wealthy and has the ability to do that. Income wasn't a problem. Yeah. It was a side gig. So <laughs> he can offer his money as collateral as long as we're 50-50, buddy. And they're like, I have an idea. Buildings are expensive. Let's be on Let's the docks. Let's use tents instead. <gasps> and tents. Like the circus. Okay. And I think... And... Okay. So also a thing that bothers me with the treatment of the people that are like the acts for this show. It really, and I, I talked, I talked earlier about like the whole like white savior complex, but it really, this whole movie gives the vibe that like, we are lost without you. Like during the scene where they were like, oh, like he hasn't been around and like blah, blah, blah. Like there's a line that Zac Efron's character has where he's talking about like, oh, the people want to see you. Like they want to see, they want to see you here and your acts and your ideas and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, he's the ringleader. Like he's not even performing the When acts. it was just him, no one wanted to see it. So no that's objectively it. But I'm just wrong. Like, so, but like the second he's gone, Ugh. y'all can't carry on. And like, and like during They're the like, scene, circus daddy, please help us. Like it's <laughs> and like, stupid. And like during the scene, they're just it like, made we need you. Daddy. Like you need to be here to do this and blah, blah. And it's just like, y'all really can't survive without this white man. <laughs> and then we get into a reprise of The Greatest Show. And then, you know what? Well, first, don't ride elephants. Um, but also, it was just like, PT was like, you know what, Philip? Everyone, you had it in you all along. So now I'm the wise person in this situation. <laughs> you be the ringleader. Here's a hat. And he, like, joins them. And honestly, way better situation. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm going to spend time with my family. Like, he's the hero or some shit. So instead, it's, hey, I'm nothing without you. You all are, like, everyone's, like, giving him praise. Mm-hmm. He was like, no, I have a lesson. Instead, I'm going to have 50% of this and not participate. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. his character arc. Yeah. He gets with worse. Them. It gets worse. He's just like, you know what? I'm going to put in less effort. They're like, we don't know what to do when you're not here. He's like, actually, you do. And they're like, wait, you're right. Here's half of our business. Like, <laughs> this sucks so bad. And he's like, what we do? Watch my girls grow up. Um, and then and- he leaves to the ballet riding an elephant. Don't ride elephants. Yeah. My guy. And I will say something that I like, again, the music is great. So one of these I like from the music standpoint um, during the scene where he's sitting and watching his daughter, uh, his daughters perform, um, we get a small reprise of, um, the greatest show, specifically the line, it's everything you ever want. It's everything you ever need. And it's here right in front of you. Um, and it's just like the little melodic refrain played on the piano. Um, and it's like symbolically in theory, I like that. Yeah. But again, it's not it's about like, the business. It's about it's like we were happy with my family. It's about your family and your loved ones. It's about ones. your family. Fast and the Furious. It's about which, the family. <laughs> which like in theory I like, yes. but 
again, the concept is good. movie, what is the message that you're really sending here? Because I think also with like with Letty and the whole cast and everything, like. I think they were very much trying to build the implication of like, oh, they created their own family. They found their own family within this group, which is very much a thing that happens and that deserves to be celebrated. But you didn't show that. You just said that it if happened. If it was, if it was like Letty and Philip, they're like, you know what? Like, they're like, the hat should be with us. And, he, and if then he's like, you know what? You're right. I should watch my girls grow up. That is a better ending. Yeah. That is growth. That's development. But still, it's just like, you know what? I'm handing this down to you, but only half of it. And and I can't decide whether the movie is brilliant or stupid. No, I, I mean... Because... No, only, only, only because... Only because, on the one hand, it's like... It's very honest about Phineas' character. Like, I feel like the movie... On the, on the one hand, like, him being the protagonist, I feel like... You get the feeling that the movie, that you're supposed to like, like him from and stuff like that. Like he is painted as a really good person, but also like, I feel like an easy thing to do would have been when he makes decisions to change the business or to step down or do any of that stuff. Like again, like you were saying, have it led by the members of the cast, by the members of the show group. Um, but it's always like, oh. My daughter said I should do this, so I'm gonna do this. Or my daughter needs more money to play ballet, so I'm gonna like do this. But it's Nothing, never, it's his... never. This is what is best for the people around me. None of his ideas are his own. Oh no. Not a single one. And yet they need his ideas for the show to be successful. Yes. Which seems counterintuitive. So his other daughter's a tree, and then we're at the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I got. And my very last note is this movie makes my brain hurt. My last note is lol, she's a tree. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk about this a little bit. Yeah. <sighs> Give me the good stuff. So. Give me the big okay. boys and free my soul. <laughs> uh, I do indeed want to get lost in that rock and roll. Um, and drift away. I'll go back. Alright, so there's two groups um, that are credited as doing the music for this movie. Um, so the actual soundtrack, as in the physical songs that make up uh, the soundtrack, um, are done by Pasek and Paul. So they are a songwriting duo and composing team, uh, Binge Pasek and Justin Paul. Um, and their collective name is Pasek and Paul. And apparently, like, they do a lot of their work together to the point that they have, like, a joint Wikipedia page. Um, and the only picture of them is, like, a picture of the two of them together. It's, like, low-key cute. Um, that is but If we ever had a Wikipedia page, I wouldn't want one without you, Raven. Oh, I would. Um, They're a songwriting, doing, composing team. So um, Paul is the primary composer. Pasek does the majority of the lyrics. Um, And together, so they've written songs for La La Land. They wrote City of Stars and the audition song. um, Which, which, great songs. Fantastic songs. And they won a Golden Globe and an Academy Award for Best Original Song for City of Stars. Um, they also wrote the song Speechless from the newest live-action Aladdin. 
um, they also wrote Dear Evan Hansen and James and the Giant Peach, like the musical version. Um, but yeah, so they started working together um, as freshmen at the University of Michigan, which is where like they were both getting the Bachelor of Arts degrees in musical theater. Um, and so while they were doing that, um, they both got like background roles in the, in the school's like musical theater production, which got them like they ended up like working together to write a series of songs that turned into a show, uh, which was called Edges. And that was like the first work that they did together. Um, and so, yes, yeah, since then they've worked on La La Land, Dear Evan Hansen, uh, The Greatest Showman, um, a, a Christmas Story, which is like a Christmas Story, the musical. Um, that was the musical version of it. Um, was that Dog the version Fight of Maya and Rudolph? musical version of James and the Giant Peach. And I believe so. Okay. You don't have to look it up, it's fine. Okay. Um, but yeah, so they, um, as well as them, they've done a lot of different works. They've gotten nominated and won a lot of awards. The vast majority of their awards that they've won are for Dear Evan Hansen, um, which won uh, Grammy, Tony Awards, um, as well as like a variety of other awards, like the Charles MacArthur Award, etc. They've also won a lot of awards for La La Land, again, City of Stars and Audition, as well as This Is Me. They won Best Original Song or Best Song in multiple categories um, for This Is Me and were nominated for a number of awards for that as well. So also on at least the Greatest Showman like movie Wikipedia page, um, it shows that the in the music by category, it cites John Debney and Joseph Trapanese. Um, so I'm not entirely sure what I'm thinking happened is that Pasek and Paul wrote just the songs for The Greatest Showman because that's specifically what they're credited with. And then I think the actual score of the film was done by Debney and Trapanese. Oh, okay. Um, which like is not, as far as I could see, isn't explicitly stated anywhere other than mm. the fact that they're listed as the music by. Um, but I do have a few notes on them. So John Debney is a composer and conductor um, who works in film, TV, and video game scores. Um, and fun fact, he's actually the son of a Disney Studios producer, um, Louis or Louis Debney. Um, so he actually grew up like around Disney and basically like being on the sets and everything like that. Um, and so he's collaborated with the Walt Disney Company for a long time. Um, he's written music for a lot of their films, TV series, and even like their theme parks as well. Um, so he's worked on, like he did Jetsons, the movie. He did Hocus Pocus. Um, he did like Jetsons, White... the movie? Great music. I don't know if I've seen it, but I will take your word for it. Um, he also did Liar Liar, I Knew What You Did Last Summer, um, My Favorite Martian, Inspector Gadget, um, The Adventures of Elmo and Grouchland. I don't know if you remember that. I do. Also, um, don't you love all the Elmo memes? Rocco can go fuck himself. <laughs> the Rock? I do not know all of the memes, oh, I guess. Then. Raven, mistake. I'm gonna send you so many videos. Sounds good. Um... But yeah, he's done, he's done a lot of stuff. He did The Scorpion King. He did Princess Diaries. He did Spy Kids. He did... Do you remember Sea Spot Run? Of course I do. He did the and music the for that. Um, I, yeah, so basically John Debney has done the music for a lot of movies that we probably watched as kids that like you would it wouldn't occur to you to be like, 
oh, who did the score for this? Oh, this dude who did the score for all of them because he's no. amazing. Um, and then there's also Joseph Trapanese, who's a composer, arranger, and producer. Um, so he works in film, TV, records, theater, concerts, and interactive media. He does a bunch of stuff. And he is really, really cool. So he collabed with Daft Punk on the soundtrack for Tron Legacy. Um, he also arranged the string sections for Dr. Dre's third album, Compton, and, oh, and conducted the orchestra and did the film arrange the arrangements for the film Straight Out of Compton, um, which he won won a Black Reel Award for. For um, he also arranged for Kelly Clarkson on Piece by Piece and Wrapped in Red. Peace so by the peace. the orchestra the orchestra backing and Wrapped in Red he was conducting during that song, uh, like during the. Movie That's everything. incredible. Or the music video. Yeah. So he's also worked on Transformers movies, the Divergent series. Again, he did Straight Outta Compton. Um, he did Robin Hood, Lady and the Tramp, um, Finding Ohana. He's done a lot of movies. Um, so yeah, both like, and I think I think they worked on the actual score of the films, like the music that's in the scenes outside of the physical songs. Um, yeah, and just. A great job. So again, like the music of this movie is fantastic. Some of it. Yes. Um, the story writing bad. is it's bad. You can say Raven, you can bad. say bad. <laughs> well, I feel like I don't know, it feels weird to me to make it's a not, judgment. Okay, like that, that, yeah, that yeah, that's being very we're being very not, objective. I am not a screenwriter. Like it wasn't I, and for I've me. Never I don't like it. it. Yeah. I it it didn't make sense to me. I didn't get it. I felt like there were a lot of holes in the story. Like I think oh, so many. my thing is I can Phineas one didn't have a character arc. That's just you can say that's my opinion and it is, but like I don't think he had a tangible character arc. Um but also it just felt like there were a lot of holes in the story. Like there were things that were happening that it was like in theory I can understand the events that would have led to this. But none of those were shown in the actual movie, so I don't know that they happened. Yeah. Yeah. Fiend. Nice. So, Campbell, what are we playing today? So, I shall be playing the clarinet, and you'll be playing the cello, and we're going to be playing an arrangement of Boopaloo Tightrope. Yes. I love Tightrope. I'm excited. That's why I picked it. Uh, from your options. So we're going to finish your drinks, get our instruments together, and do something. Do something. Do something. Hey, everyone. In addition to our other nonprofit partners, I would like to do a quick plug for the Dodario Foundation. The Dodario Foundation is a nonprofit grant-making organization that provides monetary and product support to high-quality music instruction programs on the front line to improve access to music education. And every single cent raised goes directly to getting kids involved in community music programs, acquiring and maintaining instruments, providing college scholarships, and supporting new innovations in music education across 41 U.S. states and 180 cities. They accept monetary donations, of course, but also instruments. So if you have an old instrument that you no longer use, please consider donating it to the Dodario Foundation, where they can get it into the hands of a student in need. 
However you're able to contribute, you can go to dodariafoundation.org slash about slash donate. That is dodariafoundation, D-A-D-D-A-R-I-O, foundation.org slash about slash donate. Now please enjoy the sultry sounds of me and Campbell destroying music. Let's stop. We got off. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should start at 43. Okay. My intonation got real bad. Um... <laughs> No comment. I think we should start at 43. <laughs> but like, okay. but like, but tempo wise, you're doing, you're doing well. Am I? Okay. I felt like I was rushing. Oh no. I, I, do you feel like you're rushing or that the music just has some movement? I guess It's a waltz. Way. So. Yeah. You're just, just like, I it's just, like, I felt like I was moving do you feel, quickly. Do you feel like you're rushing or that you're ahead of the beat? Those are two very different things. You know what I mean? Yes. I think maybe just that I'm ahead of the beat, but I'm not accustomed to it. Yeah. I'm usually either behind or rushing. I, there's, there's never been an in-between for me. Sorry, 43? Yes. Okay, 43, baby. Are you going to give two bars or four bars? <laughs> um, just decide right now. Do you just want two? It's up to you. I'm fine with either. I just want you to let me know instead of me trying to guess if you're going to keep on counting. <laughs> you know? It's something I, I should have mean... asked 30 episodes ago. <laughs> I'll do two measures of okay. counting. Of three, cool. four. Cool. cool. Of three, four, yes. Yeah. I don't like You did being three, four this out. time. And you were like great. You were doing out great. on my counting style, Campbell. And I was just complimenting your, like, your ability to keep tempo this time. So I need to balance okay. it out, apparently. Apparently, I can't. One, two. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Okay, cool. Great. Love it. <laughs> One, two, three, two, two, three. And that's where we were going to stop originally. I think that was good. Yes, you're correct. I can't hear you for some reason when we're playing, but you sounded good when we were practicing, so I assume you sounded I'll play good. for you right now. Cool. That sounded really good. Thank you. I'm really I'm in a good mood tonight, Raven. We started and, and off clarinet, a little rocky, and like I'm really like where we're at. You know what the? I. Do you know? Do you know what it was? What? We needed to be. We need to get on the same page. And how do we get on the same page? Hating this fucking musical, <laughs> and alcohol. And now we're like, <laughs> you know. True. But like together. Um, I'm really glad that you orchestrated this, or I guess instrumentated. I went back this. and forth. I was like, do I want to play the bassoon or the clarinet for this? And if I played yeah. bassoon, you would play the violin. But for some reason, for this song, I feel I felt like the melody should have been a woodwind instead of a string instrument. And you know what? I think, I think it was the Michelle, hollowness from the background. And Michelle that I Williams' voice has a very like. There's it a, has that clear quality. It, that, like, it, yeah, it, it cuts exactly it's crisp yes so i think the clarinet was the perfect instrument to like represent and i also felt like the cello would have been back because like string instruments especially the lows notes there's like such a like a beautiful hollowness 
And I and think also, that's like, very her, reminiscent. The song is reminiscent. by strings as well. Oh, yeah, but I think that hollowness is very apropos to, like, how she's feeling, like, in her environment. Agreed. Agreed. I never say apropos. <laughs> I wasn't confident <laughs> I used it right. Anyway, we're going to start two measures on the last page, two. Um, Measure 60. Yep. Uh, one, two, three, two, two, three. Yeah, yeah. I think we should start at 92 and then go till we crash and burn. <laughs> okay. What we were playing, I think it was, where was it? Measure like 84, 85. My bow got caught under the desk, and so like I like I think I missed like a measure and a half because I like couldn't move my bow. That's funny. <laughs> All right, so we're starting at ninety-two. Yep. You have that A. And the D sharp. Wait, that's a. Oh, treble clef. Yep. Okay. Um. Okay. One, two, three, two, two, three. We did it. I think my A was flat, but we done did it. We done did it. We done did the thing. Stop and share. Um, how'd you feel? Was that fun? I thought it was fun. I liked your part. I think, again, this is a... Uh, we do this over Zoom. If we just, you know, had all our instruments together and we were in person, it would be more fun. But yeah, it's okay. Yeah, no, I think you made the right call doing clarinet for um, for the main melody of Tightrope. Like it's definitely, um, I don't know, it's it's a sound that I think just really fits. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So Raven, scale so one to ten, how would you rate that? Oh my gosh, I. So the max I can go is like five, right? That's generous <laughs> to me. I And the more we talked about it, the lower I was thinking in my head. I don't know. I felt like I was almost being too harsh on the movie, but I think that's also because like again, I love the soundtrack. Um I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go like a four. Um definitely below the middle. Um, and, and I think that's more upon like reflection. I think the first time I watched that I was like, oh, it's okay. Um, but especially rewatching it, I'm like, nah. <laughs> um, but the, the soundtrack is really, really good. And I think the cinematography of the movie is beautiful. Um, the visual effects are fantastic. Um, sometimes, um, like the scenery is really, really good and the music is amazing. So I'll give it a four. It just could use story, plot, cause and effect, character development, basic understanding of the social implications of the actions being taken by the main characters of the story, um, and then it can be good. <laughs> See, I'm going to take those into account. Um, <laughs> and like, it just seems like wasted potential. Yes, because there's so much talent yeah. in this movie. It, like, it hurts to see, almost. And so, I think I'm going to give it a two. Oh, damn. 
that no we we you've given a one before oh yeah you? high school musical too <laughs> that's right gotta go my own way yeah, it's the no, only redeeming is... factor of that movie the only one reverse <laughs> character development the movie it was terrible it was so bad i was so upset yeah yeah so um, i think i'd give it a two yeah uh campbell mm-hmm. where can you find us Oh, what a great question. Um, you can find us wherever <laughs> podcasts are found. That be, you know, Apple products like Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Podbean. Um, literally, I know, we subscribe uh, to anywhere you can listen to podcasts. And they, if you listen to us, which you are right now, so that's a weird way to say it. But if you want to support us other than trying to support our philanthropic endeavors, the easiest way to support us is like rating or reviewing us on any of those platforms. Um, you can, you know, like us, uh, Spotify. Now you can actually give us like a rating with stars. And that would be super great because if you do that, that would be fantastic. And you rate us high, then more people can see us with their like stupid little algorithms and stuff. And then the more we can spread uh, our mission to raise money for our music education and you know Campbell, get... you can't insult the algorithm like that i'm did so fuck it <laughs> um yeah you interrupted me and i was doing such a good job and i you never were. Do you're doing that. fantastic and you're yeah, welcome so like yeah do that uh thing <laughs> and if you like i mean if you didn't like the episode if you want to rate us negatively i mean you do you do what you want but if there's no, things... if you didn't like the episode, you're a bad human being. No, I was going to say, but if there's <laughs> reasons why you didn't, let us know. You can email us at boozcals at gmail.com. So that's B-O-O-Z-I-C-A-L-S at gmail.com. Or DM us at Instagram. Our Instagram is at boozcals. Again, B-O-O-Z-I-C-A-L-S. I like to Photoshop fun pictures. I've been crushing it recently. You and really I've actually have. gotten like five different DMs like this past week about like suggestions liking stuff and that's a lot for us um so yeah that's where you can reach us and you can find us raven it's okay to say this was not great i feel like you're really hesitant to because you're like you know you're a kind (laughs) music is polite person but like if the music was taken away it wouldn't change the movie which is the hallmark of a bad musical. Yeah. <sighs> Goodbye. So long. Farewell. To you, oh, you my friends. <laughs> oh, we went different songs. Fuck, we got in this. <laughs>